The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Pat Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393. It is Pat Gray Unleashed. Just a lot going on. Uh, of course, Jeff Flake has announced that he's not he's not going to run for re-election, which is uh, certainly fine by me. <laughs> I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't exactly shed a tear over that. Uh, and he had some interesting things to say on the way out. We'll get into that. Also, uh, Hillary Clinton and the Democratic National Committee paid for a Russian do- dossier on Donald Trump. So mm. isn't that collusion mm. with the Russians? Seems like that's a little bit of colluding. They're working together. Hmm. Uh, I guess the big deal is uh, that some Republican during the primary started the research and then they stopped funding it. And then a Clinton lawyer, Mark Elias, uh, representing the Clinton campaign and the DNC, stepped in and they continued to pay for uh, the research that was being done. They retained a company called Fusion GPS a Washington, D.C. firm to, to continue this uh, research on Donald Trump. So uh, we've got that to talk about. Also, Paul Ryan says the Dreamers, the DACA program, will be part of a spending bill. <laughs> With Republicans like this, who needs Democrats? I, 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 it's, it's, that's another just irritating uh, thorn in our side. <laughs> All I've got are naughty words in my mind. Oh, it's it's hard to have anything else. Mm-hmm. Also, a black man was charged with spraying racist anti-black graffiti. How many times have we seen this? On the Eastern Michigan University campus last year, led to widespread student protests. The Detroit Free Press picked it up. Of course, this was evidence that uh, racism and white supremacy was running rampant through our college campuses. It uh, included the letters KKK in red, white, and blue. And the word leave, followed by a racial slur for black people, painted on a campus building. 29-year-old black man named Eddie Curlin actually did it. Mm. Wow, we've seen that a lot of times. Just people trying to stir things up. People trying to, I I don't know, create discontent, racial riots, war. I, I don't know. In some good news, Miami police have decided they're going to stop. Uh, they're going to stop protecting. The protesting Miami Dolphins who are kneeling during the uh, during the national anthem. Love that. I think that's a brilliant, mm-hmm. brilliant decision. Why should they? If the cops are so bad, well, okay, you're on your own. Good luck with that. We'll see how that works out for you. Yeah. Also, a uh, professor is saying that mathematics is a wash in whiteness. It, math drips with whiteness. I'm sorry. And the NAACP is warning um, African-Americans about the racist tendencies of American Airlines. So we'll tell you about that as well coming up. First of all, uh, let's get to this Jeff Flake speech because he took on the president as he's leaving office. And first of all, he Jeff Flake explained why he's making the speech. Mr. President, I rise today to address a matter that has been very much on my mind. 
at a moment when it seems that our democracy is more defined by our discord and our dysfunction than by our own values and principles. Uh, let me begin by noting a somewhat obvious point that these offices that we hold are not ours indefinitely. We're not here simply to mark time. Sustained incumbency is certainly not the point of seeking office, and there are times when we must risk our careers in favor of our principles. Now is such a time. Okay. Uh, then he talks about describing what leadership is and, uh, and blame. Here's Jeff Flake continuing. When a leader correctly identifies real hurt and insecurity in our country and instead of addressing it goes to look for someone to blame, there is perhaps nothing more devastating to a pluralistic society. Leadership knows that most often a good place to start in assigning blame is to look somewhat closer to home. Leadership knows where the buck stops. Humility helps. Character counts. Leadership does not knowingly encourage or feed ugly or debased appetites in us. Leadership lives by the American creed, e pluribus unum, from many one. American leadership looks to the world and, just as Lincoln did, sees the family of man. Humanity is not a zero-sum game. Okay, and I mean... Fine, whatever. He's <laughs> taking on Donald Trump. He's babbling about his poor leadership. Uh, he also calls him reckless and outrageous behavior. Being condoned is telling it like it is. Here's more from Flake. Reckless, outrageous, and undignified behavior has become excused and countenanced as telling it like it is mm-hmm. when it is actually just reckless, outrageous, and, dignif- and undignified. And when such behavior emanates from the top of our government, it is something else. It is dangerous to a democracy. Yeah, we're not. Such behavior does not project strength Mm -hmm. because our strength comes from our values. It instead projects a corruption of the spirit and weakness. Really bothers me that they can continue to use the term uh, our democracy. I'm not. A democracy. Would you please learn that? With you totally on it. would be really helpful Very if you would understand that one basic concept. We're not a democracy. We're a republic. I mean, there's some truth to what he's saying, though. Donald, Donald Trump has been outrageous. Uh, he's been, at times, reckless. I, I, I don't think you can question that. And it is condoned as telling it like it is. People like it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like it. But he's not wrong about that. Right. He's wrong about a lot of other things, uh, and he says he feels regret for the state of our disunion. Here's what he said. It must also be said that I rise today with no small measure of regret. Regret because of the state of our disunion. Regret because of the disrepair and destructiveness of our politics. Regret because of the indecency of our discourse. Regret because of the coarseness of our leadership. Regret for the compromise of our moral authority. Mm-hmm. And by our, I mean all of our complicity in this alarming and dangerous state of affairs. It is time for our complicity and our accommodation of the unacceptable to end. It's interesting that he apparently feels no regret for his complete 180 in office, elected as a conservative, and then became essentially a liberal while he was in office. 
Now, if you're to listen to MSNBC, oh, you'd think he was a conservative lion. You'd think he led the charge for conservatives all over this country. He, he's a conservative's conservative, according to MSNBC. Uh, here's, what, here's what they said on the uh, Morning Cup of Postum yeah. with Joe and his main squeeze or whatever they call that show. <laughs> and the words that Jeff Flake had for the president were uh, incredibly serious, incredibly yeah. uh, an attempt to put this in historical perspective and yeah. give voice to his frustration and yeah. what he was seeing around him. And this is mm-hmm. a guy this is a guy. who is incredibly well-liked, well-respected, incredibly really? conservative. Some- incredibly conservative. No. No, he's not. Uh, and he hasn't been for a good long time. ...with one of the most conservative voting records. One of the who what? earned the respect of his Democratic colleagues. Was a- Okay, did he earn the respect of his Democratic colleagues because he was one of the most conservative conservatives in office? No, he did not. He earned the respect of Democrats by siding with Democrats, by working with Democrats on their policy, by compromising... Not just to get things done, but he compromised his principles. Yeah. Eh, don't tell me that he was the most liked and a conservative's. Cons- this is just, these are flat out lies. Yep. I mean, it's true that Democrats love him. Of course they love him. They love John McCain too. They love both of these GOP senators from Arizona because they're both rhinos. Right. And I'm not excusing Donald Trump's coarseness or his demeanor or whatever it was that Flake was complaining about. But Senator Flake should know that the one of the reasons that we ended up with a President Trump was because of the lack of spine among GOP senators and, and, and all of Congress mm-hmm. never standing up for conservative values. And voila, yeah. that's what you get. You get a backlash. Yeah. Member of the Gang of Eight took political... A member of the Gang of Eight. Here's another thing. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that one. He's a member of the Gang of Eight, which sold us down the river on immigration policy. That was conservative? I mean, here she's calling him a conservative, conservative's conservative. And then she says all the reasons why we don't like him, because he's not conservative. Risks on immigration. And I think that... (laughs) He took risks on immigration. Yeah, the risk he took was siding with Democrats on immigration. By, By siding with liberals on immigration. By promoting amnesty on immigration. These are... You're, you're just contradicting yourself here. The senators in both parties that I talked to yesterday came away with a real sense of loss around Did they? Oh, this please. retirement. Far beyond a rebuke. Far beyond a rebuke. And this is uh, this shows the insanity that has Does it? overtaken Joe? the Republican Party. I, mm-hmm. I always the White joke House. when people would come up and say, oh, you're a liberal. I say, well, at a 95% lifetime conservative rating. And oh, really bullcrap. And positions. Jeff Flake. <laughs> Who is supposed to be this big liberal yeah. with some goons right. over at uh, Fox News. I won't mention his name or attacking. Okay. Jeff Blake has... It, 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 and nobody knows goons like Joe Scarborough. <laughs> the biggest goon of them all. The 96% <laughs> lifetime conservative rating. What? He is the conservative's conservative. Make <laughs> source on that, please. I don't know what the source on that is because look up. Look it up for yourself. Jeff Flake's conservative rating from conservative review. It's 53% from heritage action scorecard. It's slightly better. It's 67%. Both are horrible. 
Those are terrible conservative ratings. For a so-called conservative's conservative, those are terrible ratings. 53% with conservative review. And he's giving him the he's given us the figure of 96%. I don't know. I'd love to see the criteria uh, uh, for that percentage of conservative votes from Jeff Flake because he never sided with conservatives on anything from about 2012 on. The guy was, in fact, a liberal. And it's, you know, obviously MSNBC is defending him because he's a liberal. They're not they don't defend conservatives. Has he ever done that for Ted Cruz? No. Would he do that for Mike Lee? No. No. Would Joe be jumping into the fray for uh, uh, Rand Paul? I doubt it. 888 That's just so aggravating. Just a pack of lies. But, you know, what do you expect from MSNBC? And, of course, uh, Flake had problems um, with conservatives in office. And, of course, we called him out on it. Because he ran as a conservative's conservative, and then he turned while he was in office. We used to love Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake, we were really excited about him for a while. And then he got into office. And the same thing happened to him that happened to John McCain and many, many others. All right, it's time to say goodbye to Big Mobile and hello to freedom. And hello to helping causes that you believe in. Because Big Mobile is funding things like Planned Parenthood. And they're advocating for sanctuary cities, amnesty, gun control. You don't want that. You don't want your dollars uh, going to companies that are funding those things. My guess is you'd rather have a company that donates up to 5% of your monthly bill to support traditional family values and, uh, and protect religious freedom. That's Patriot Mobile. They're the only conservative cell phone company in America where a part of your bill up to 5% of your monthly bill goes directly into funding conservative causes that you, you, you tell them you want to support and you get the same nationwide coverage. You get unlimited talk, text, and data for a much better price. In fact, right now, unlimited talk and text starts at 20 bucks a month, just $20 a month, not 200, not 500, 20 bucks a month. So call them today. 1-800-8-PATRIOT. 1-800-A-PATRIOT, or visit their website at patriotmobile.com slash pat. Say goodbye to Big Mobile. Say hello to freedom. 1-800-A-PATRIOT or patriotmobile.com slash pat. Brad Staggs joins us. Hey, Brad. Hey, I stopped by to talk about earwax. Nice. Love you it. know, when, when you think about earwax, think about me. Or better yet. <laughs> I often yet, do. Yeah, 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 I have that effect on people. Or better yet, think about WaxRx. And when you think of WaxRx, go to... Uh, Use WaxRx.com. The thing is, it's one of those things nobody wants to talk about. I get that. But it is fascinating when you finally do get your ears cleaned or clean them out yourself. Mm. The things that you can hear mm-hmm. are amazing. It's like the difference between color and black and white. Wait, wait. Do you hear us talking about you now? You walking yeah, around Now I can. And oh. we need to talk about that. Sorry. But the, the difference between this and the stuff you can get at the drugstore is that this actually works. It's a three-step system. You put the softening drops into your ear and you use the, the specially designed uh, squirt bottle to get the right amount of pressure with warm water into your ear, cleans it out, and then there's a pH uh, rinse that you put in there, leaves you with, as Jeffy says, nice supple ears. Supple. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So if you go to usewaxrx.com, use uh, promo code radio, uh, you will get uh, free, uh, expi- or free standard shipping as well. Usewaxrx.com. Hear what you've been missing. Usewaxrx.com. 
This is Pat Gray. The Blaze Radio Network. Gray returns. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. So good riddance, Jeff Flake. I mean, that's that's no loss to Republicans at all. In fact, I'm I'm excited. Maybe we can get somebody decent from Arizona now. It'd be, it'd be awesome if both of those senators would get out yeah. of office because they both suck. They're both terrible. If John McCain Absolutely is on the terrible. search committee, then don't hold your uh, breath. Yeah, then it's. <laughs> I mean, that's the problem. The the boys club goes out and kind of handpicks the next guy, the successor. And that's why we have the problems we do. Uh, And then you've got MSNBC calling these guys conservatives, conservative. Oh, okay. Um, Meanwhile, yet another, uh, yet another black person spray painting uh, anti-black graffiti and causing all kinds of problems on on a college campus. This one, Eastern Michigan, mentioned this a few minutes ago. He spray-painted KKK in red, white, and blue, and the word leave followed by a racial slur for black people, and painted that on on a campus building. So everybody thought that was some sort of racist, white supremacist, clan sort of situation. Instead, turned out to be Eddie Curlin, who attended the school from 2014 to 2016. He's in custody now. He's, he's a black man in the Michigan Department of Corrections um, on an unrelated charge. Now he's being charged with three counts of malicious destru- destruction of property, four counts of identity theft, one count of using computers to commit a crime. EMU Police Chief Robert Hayes wouldn't specify a motive for the vandalism, only saying it was totally self-serving. Not driven by politics, he says. Not even driven by race. Really. Maybe just to get attention then? Mm. Of course, if this had been a white person, it would have been all about race. Just amazing. Uh, And Rochelle Gutierrez, who's a mathematics education professor at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, who contributed a chapter to a book in which she wrote that on many levels... Mathematics itself operates as whiteness. What? She, her focus uh, is on equity issues in mathematics education, especially, quote, how race, class, and language affect teaching and learning, unquote. Her school bio, bio indicates also uh, those who get credit for doing and developing mathematics, who are capable in mathematics, and who are seen as part of the mathematical community are generally viewed as white. Really? Mm. I thought a lot of Asians were good at mathematics. I, I mean, yeah, Nobel Prize winners from the country of India as Nobel, I mean, as mathematic geniuses. They're generally white? And, and whose fault is that if they are generally white? I mean, is that, how does that... How does racism enter into that at all? Is somebody stopping blacks and Hispanics from being good at mathematics? 
I mean, nothing nothing screams hateful white supremacy more than the Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> you know, and when you're when you're solving the cardinality of the continuum, uh-huh. you might as well be using the N word. You, you might as well. <laughs> it's that white. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm white, and long division scares me. They're changing that too with this, uh, you know, with the Common Core. It doesn't even do long division anymore. Oh, I was born in the wrong time. Completely different now. Uh, Guterres also noted that perhaps an even more important point is that mathematics operates with unearned privilege in society, just like whiteness. (laughs) If one is not viewed as mathematical, there will always be some sense of inferiority that can be summoned. It's not true. So many people are walking around in society who have experienced trauma, microaggressions from Ugh. participating in math classrooms. I can't. We might as well, uh, again, turn off the country. Ser- seriously. Just hit the switch and, and turn off the country if we're going to be this stupid. Mm-hmm. Specifically for math teachers, she wrote that such an educational approach helps you deconstruct and negotiate the high-stakes world of testing and standardization. Among the tools Gut- Gutierrez is suggesting are uh, creative insubordination, a term she first heard growing up in an activist family in which teachers learn to bend rules and interpret things in ways that rely on a higher ethical standard. In other words, I guess just lie and make things up for the kids so that they feel better about themselves. I, I don't know. This is absolute madness. Between this and the NAACP Releasing that warning to blacks about American Airlines being racist. I don't know if it's their flight patterns. I don't know if it's the cities they fly to. No, it's the planes are white. Uh, The planes, mostly white, with some red writing on the side of them that says American Airlines. Uh, But can you imagine if a black person is on an American Airlines flight and right next to them, there's a person solving quadratic equations. Oh, hell. You might as well have just called that person the N-word. You might as well. You might as well just prepare for your lawsuit. Because some, somebody's going to own your airline. That's a double shot of hate right and there. And the mathematics industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is just... I don't know if this can get any more stupid. I don't, I don't know. We, <laughs> we've dumbed everything down, and every day I think, okay, well, this is this is as far as you can go down now. <laughs> and then the next day, something goes further than that, and then you think, okay, well, now we're now we're at rock bottom. Nope. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is unbelievable. Wait a minute. What if you got a calculator and you're taking like a shortcut to hate? Hmm. Like, how does that how does that work? Wow. Why the hate? Sorry. Why why the racism yeah, and the hate? Totally. My bad. Apologize. <sighs> Please accept my apology. That's dripping with intolerance and non-inclusion. Uh, that's unbelievable <sighs> to hear you say that, Producer Keith. That's just I'm sorry. intolerable. When When is my apology going to be enough? No? Never. Uh, it's never enough. I'm not going to break out the protractor. I got it down here. We're going to keep it out of sight. Yeah. Also, we've got uh, a situation with George H.W. Bush. We've got to get into here in a few, in a few minutes. Uh, he's being caught up in the sexual harassment controversy. Wait, I'm sorry, who? Uh, George H.W. Bush. Yeah, he's been in a wheelchair for, what, five years now? Six okay. years, something yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah, it was from his wheelchair that, that this <laughs> actress is accusing him of sexual harassment. He's, in fact, not just harassment, uh, she claims she was sexually assaulted <laughs> while, I'm sorry. while he was in her wheelchair. You won't, 
I mean, this is an amazing story. Okay. Uh, so we, we've, we've got that coming up as well. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. And another fun story about a guy being fined for singing too loudly in his car. We'll get into that as well. I'm being sued? Also, MSNBC was showing the, the new uh, prototypes for the border wall. And as, as they're showing the prototypes, <laughs> illegal aliens are hopping over the fence that we have up there now <laughs> entering the country <laughs> illegally Fa- i mean fantastic stuff uh more pat gray unleashed <laughs> coming up pat gray the blaze radio network Spoons is back. And this time, it's pissed off. Uh, this week, we're going to test, uh, taste test fall-flavored Little Debbie snacks, I guess. Um, so, producer Keith will join us because uh, Stu, Wait. I guess, is too too cool now. And he can't uh, he can't make it. But uh, Jeffy, uh, producer Keith, and I will te- test these little uh, pumpkin spice rolls. Wow, I lucked little out. Debbie. I didn't get, like, Vietnamese leftovers no, about day. that? I got a little Debbie day. Yeah. Love this. Uh, So join us at 2 o'clock Central, which is uh, 3 Eastern, right here. Uh, Well, uh, on the actual, you know, Facebook Live. That's where that will happen. Um, Meantime, a a really high percentage. This might not surprise you if you've ever been, I don't know, outside your home. A lot of people in the United States of America don't speak English. Uh, And uh, you kind of learn that when when you go shopping or you leave your home and go anywhere uh, in California, which in July of 2016, they had a population of 39,250,000, 44.6% of the, of their population, five years of age and older don't speak English at home. 44.6%. At the same time, uh, according to the census bureau, 18.6 of California re- residents five and older don't speak english very well at all so inside the home outside the home they just they don't speak english so california is uh number one in that category mm. nationwide 20 21.6 percent speak a language other than english at home 8.6 percent speak english less than very well but in texas that number is uh 35.6 percent for those who don't speak english at home mm. And uh, the percentage of those who don't speak it at all is fourteen percent. That's that's, a, and and again, we have attacked this problem from the wrong direction. It shouldn't be about us. It should be about them. And we should have made it about the immigrants from day one. We should have said, look, they're never they're never going to get ahead in this society. They're always going to be at the mercy of. Some employer who's treating them badly, not paying them well, maybe under minimum minimum wage, uh, and and they're never going to be able to get ahead in this society. So let's make sure 
they learn the prevalent language in this country. It'll be better, better for them, and it'll be better for us. Everybody wins in, in that situation. Sadly, we didn't do that. And now, anytime you mention English as a first language, um, you're a hater. You're you're a racist. You're a xenophobe. Mm-hmm. And then and then if you say we should make English the official language of the United States of America, they will always counter with, "Well, then it's going to be illegal to speak Spanish." <laughs> No, it's so stupid. <laughs> they take it to such ridiculous extremes. Yeah. Nobody is saying it should be illegal to speak Spanish. It's just that, you know, we, we print our documents in English, and you need to learn to read them. We print our signs in English. You need to learn to read them. Yep. We speak English on telephone me- messages. You need to learn to understand them. That's yeah. all. And it's, you know, it's not too much to ask because if you are an American and you go anywhere else in this, in this world to live, you're going to have to learn their language. Yep. Just makes sense. Sounds like a republic that's going to have a few problems down the line. Yeah. Oh, and, wait, we've got one. It's called math, apparently, is, is, yes. is one of those racist problems now, too. This is Well, it's, this is dri- it's dripping with whiteness. Dripping with whiteness. Dripping with whiteness. <laughs> uh, let's go to Scott in California. Scott, you're on the blaze. Hi. Hey, Pat. Um, Yeah, speaking of math, uh, if math is an inherently white culture um, uh, item, Mm -hmm. does a black person who is good at math, does that mean he's appropriating white culture? And isn't that a bad (laughs) thing now, according to Red Book? (laughs) Yes, and that would be a really fun way to turn this around (laughs) on the knuckleheads who are promoting this nonsense. Uh, Thanks, Scott. That's a good point. Uh, 888-933-93. Jeez. Yep. So here we are. Yeah. So here we are <laughs> again. You, you know, you got one hand on the switch, ready to turn the country off because it's just getting that stupid. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. So this is the problem with people like Jeff Lake, who worked in the the Gang of Eight, trying to uh, trying to legalize the twenty million illegal aliens who are here. And just grant blanket amnesty, which we did in 1986. And it made the problem about 10 times worse. Because they were asked to pay a fine. They didn't. They were asked to assimilate. They didn't. And then when we showed them it's okay and we'll just legalize you once you're already here. Then they came pouring across the border in unbelievable numbers. More so than ever before. It just makes the situation worse. Rather than saying... Come here legally, learn the language, and succeed in America. Thrive. Don't just exist. Don't just get by in the shadows and all of the all of the cliches that Democrats use to describe undocumented immigrants in this society. They don't have to it doesn't have to be that way. We could help them thrive by asking certain things of them and help the country thrive by asking certain things of the people who immigrate here. What do you think one of the questions was uh, when people moved here in the 1800s and everybody talks about how immigrants built this nation? Well, yeah, legal immigrants did. And, And when they got here, what did we ask of them? We asked them to stop speaking the language you spoke and now switch to English. And they did. We asked them to renounce 
their loyalty to whatever nation they came from and any other nation on the earth and swear allegiance to this one and this one only. And they did. We asked them to assimilate and become part of our society. And they did. And it worked for them and it worked for us. And the same thing could happen now if we could just have the giblets to, to ask that of people. Meanwhile, there was a, there's a former head of uh, NPR, National Public Radio, who was kind of tired of hearing about how terrible uh, conservatives were, how bitter they are. They're bitter clingers to their guns who hide behind religion to conceal their hatred and racism. Uh, Hillary Clinton bashed them as a basket of deplorables. Mainstream media agreed uh, with both of those sentiments. And so, anyway, Ken Stern, who is a former CEO of NPR, decided to do what hardly anybody on the left has ever done before. Uh, He decided to get out from under the liberal bubble and spend time with conservatives in order to see things from their perspective. If... he wanted to find out, like, uh, what's his name that we've had on Glenn's show uh, multiple times, who is Muslim and oh, Riaz. Riaz Patel. Yeah, Riaz Patel. This guy did the same thing. Ken Stern did the same thing. Mm-hmm. He wanted to find out if conservatives were everything the media said. I mean, I don't know what prompted that, because that hardly ever happens, but good for him. So he embarked on a year-long journey to red states. A year-long journey. To see how they live. And then he wrote a book about it called Republican Like Me. How I Left the Liberal Bubble and Learned to Love the Right. Uh, Here's how he began his expedition. He said, most reporters and editors are liberal. A now dated Pew Research Center poll found that liberals outnumber conservatives in the media by some 5 to 1. I bet it's more like 10 to 1 now. Mm -hmm. And that comports with my own anecdotal experience at National Public Radio. When you're liberal, and everyone else around you is as well, it is easy to fall into groupthink on what stories are important, what sources are legitimate, and what the narrative of the day will be. So he traveled to Texas, Georgia, Kentucky, and Ohio. And along the way, he found himself in a pit at at a NASCAR race. He attended Tea Party gatherings. He talked with Steve Bannon on his radio show. Not the best choice, I, I would think. Uh, he worshipped with evangelicals. He hunted pigs with a family of hunters. And it didn't take long for him to discover that people on the right weren't the slobbering hordes of evil they're pr- portrayed to be. He went to an urban uh, Urbana Christian conference, and he says, I met dozens of people who were dedicating their lives to the mission, spreading the good news of Jesus, of course, but doing so through a life of charity and compassion for others, staffing remote hospitals, building homes for the homeless, and in one case, flying a powered parachute over miles of uninhabited jungle in the western Congo to bring a little bit of entertainment, education, and relief to some of the remotest villages you could possibly imagine. It was all inspiring and a little foolhardy, if you ask me, about the safety of a powered parachute, but it left me with a very different impression of a community that was previously known to me only through Jerry Falwell and the movie Footloose. <laughs> he also walked away with a completely different view on guns, being someone who'd never fired one before. 
said gun control and gun rights is one of the most divisive issues, and there are legitimate points on both sides. But media is obsessed with gun control and gives only scant, mostly negative recognition to the gun rights side. Stern also came to a very different conclusion about a really great Georgia family who welcomed him into their fold. He said, none of my new hunting partners fit the lazy caricature of the angry NRA member. Rather, they saw guns as both a shared sport and as a necessary means to protect their families during uncertain times. In truth, the only one who was even modestly angry was me. And that only had to do with my terrible ineptness as a hunter. In the end, though, I did bag a pig. Or at least my new friends were willing to award me a kill so that we could all glory together <laughs> in the fraternity of the hunt. <laughs> nice. Uh, so he said he did his best to consume media as they do and understand it as a partisan player. And in doing that, he learned that the media treats legitimate defensive gun use as a myth. And while his newfound family see it as their last line of defense for themselves... This conclusion was drawn not by watching mainstream media, but by finding f- stores of uh, footage of a convenience store clerk defending his shop against an armed r- intruder. A classic good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun scenario. It's an, uh, it's an amazing story. And uh, a guy who went out of his way to actually learn about his fellow Americans. This is exactly the kind of stuff we need that will heal the nation. We can just come together. What we should have done, what he should have done, is find a family of constitutionalists so we could also study the Constitution and find out what that's all about. (laughs) And why people talk about the Constitution on the right and nobody does on the left. Uh, Because that's our guiding document. Instead, they always look at it as you're some kind of, you know, founding father's renaissance nut who uh, just wants to get back to the tri-point hat days and slavery. Oh, that'd be kind of that's, that's how they look at it. Hmm. Uh, and nothing could be further from the truth. 888 More Pat Gray Unleashed uh, coming up. Let me tell you about the Cosmo Hurts Kids campaign. Cosmo Hurts Kids founder is Victoria Hurst. Of the Hurst family, the Hurst Corporation publishes Cosmo, Cosmopolitan Magazine. So she's not trying to shut them down. She's not trying to censor them. Doesn't want them to go out of business. I mean, her family publishes the magazine. What she wants, though, is for the pornography contained within not to be viewed by children. So the only goal is to have the state's material harmful to minor laws applied to Cosmopolitan magazine so it can't be sold to anybody under 18. If you'd like to learn more about the Cosmo Hurts Kids campaign, go to CosmoHurtsKids.com. We all believe in free speech, and this isn't shutting that down. It's just making sure that kids won't be subjected to pornography and that uh, Cosmo can't be sold to kids under 18. If you'd like to find out more, if you'd like to participate in this movement, visit CosmoHurtsKids.com. That's CosmoHurtsKids.com. Pat Gray, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Now back to Pat Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Welcome. 888-900-3393. The Russians are still coming. The Russians are coming. And this time they were funded by the DNC and by Hillary Clinton. There's also uh, a lot of news breaking on this uranium deal, this uranium one thing. Um, We'll get into that a little bit. And yesterday, MSNBC went down to the border because they're interested in, in the walls that are being constructed, the prototype for the wall that will be built, supposedly, along the border. I'll believe it when I see it, actually. But supposedly, they're going to use one of these prototypes or maybe a combination of one of them or two of them or three of them. Uh, and they're trying to test out which one works the best right now. So MSNBC is down there looking at these prototypes. And <laughs> here's what happened while they're looking at the border. Almost on cue, a group of asylum seekers, migrants not from Mexico, jumped over the existing fence to turn themselves in to border agents on horseback. It's like a small group of three people just jumped over in the middle of the day. <laughs> Girl there with a pink backpack. Can you explain to me what's going on? <laughs> this is a reality of, of everyday border enforcement. Well, the United mm-hmm. States is still the draw, the ultimate draw for people that have uh, dire situations where they're at. We're going to continue to wit- witness this. Mm-hmm. It plays out on a regular basis for us. And it did just here, just now. Just now. <laughs> I love that because MSNBC doesn't want a border wall. They don't want a fence. The, mostly the people at MSNBC probably believe in open borders. And as they're covering the border situation, people are hopping over the wall. What are the odds? Well, they're good because it happens all the time. As the border agent said, it happens every day. This is everyday stuff. And all I have to do is claim asylum. And I, I don't know what country they came from. Didn't they say they were from other than Mexico? OTM, baby. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. OTMs. And so if you're o- OTM, if you're other than Mexico, a lot of times you can say, uh, I'm seeking asylum. And then we're pretty much duty bound to keep you here. And that's why apparently they were turning themselves into the border agents. And then they don't show up for their court date. Yeah. And bye-bye. And it's catch and release. <laughs> <clears throat> and then they're in the system. And then they're here. They're living in the shadows. They're not learning English. They're not getting ahead in their job situation. They're taking crappy jobs and, and earning what they can and send most of it back to Mexico and live in crappy circumstances here. Because we had just the greatest couple that cleaned this building when uh, Glenn bought it. And he, he bought it from a company that was paying these two wonderful people virtually nothing. They, they made almost nothing. And did it for years, years and years. Worked hard. Got here, I don't know, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. A lot of times they were still here at nine o'clock at night. It's a huge building, and they're cleaning something different all day long in it. And there's just the two of them. And so they, she, the the woman knew no English. I mean, you could barely she could barely say hi in 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 English. And the husband had very broken English. And so when Glenn bought the building, he, I think, quadrupled their salary. In fact, the husband was working for nothing. He was just helping her. And he gave him a salary. So more than quadrupled their salary because they were both making the money now. And we got him into English classes. So, you know, maybe they can do something else eventually. It only makes sense to learn the language. And to immerse yourself in the culture and and to become American citizens because uh, you're going to have just kind of a 
a get by a survival instinct life when it doesn't have to be that way. You could thrive, not just survive. Wouldn't that be better? I kind of think so. I kind of think so. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. But that's lost on the people uh, like MSNBC and their reporters, which is why, you know, they're trying to glorify Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake, an Arizona senator who ran on a pretty good platform of being tough on immigration, on illegal immigration, on securing the border, and then, you know, we can work it out afterwards. But um, he wasn't for amnesty. And then all of a sudden, he got to Washington, D.C., and he was for amnesty. And he's, he's not for securing the border. And he's working with the Gang of Eight. And what do they come up with? They come up with comprehensive immigration reform, which was amnesty, which was nothing like conservatives want uh, on this problem. And it's, it's not going to fix the problem because we've tried this before. How many times are we going to do it before we understand it doesn't work? I don't know, but uh, that's why it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great to see a guy like Jeff Flake leave. Yeah, and a, and a senator from a border state. Yeah. If anyone should who know. how bad it is. Who knows how bad the problem is. In, in Arizona, they've got that no-go zone where... They tell U.S. residents not to go there, and it's, what, 70 miles or something? Yeah, it's a good ways. It's 70 miles into the country where it's, it's, it's like a wasteland where you can't go in there because it's too stinking dangerous because of all the illegal aliens and the drug traffickers and the coyotes that populate that area. And so now we've just got signs up that say, don't go here. It's part of the United States of America. How can this happen? Well, because we have the mindset we do. We've allowed all of this stuff to, uh, to take over and, and become the norm. And it just shouldn't be. It hurts them and it hurts us. 888-900-3393. Also, uh, somebody I've never heard of in some breaking news, Jeff Glore, is named the anchor of the CBS Evening News. I have never heard of Jeff Glore. That's important news to the 18 blue hair still watching, you know? (laughs) That's right. Nobody watches CBS Evening News anymore, do they? (laughs) Does anybody watch NBC or ABC even? Now Jeffy's going to come in here and say, Yeah. Watch. What's his name on NBC that he's got this thing with? Oh, Lester Holt. Lester Holt. They watch Lester Holt. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Glor is 42 years old. He'll take over later this year. In his more than 10 years at CBS, uh, Jeff has earned the trust of viewers and his colleagues. Oh, okay. Has he? Yeah, yes. He <laughs> represents the best journalistic values and traditions that will carry the evening news into a digital future. Oh. Scott Pelley was the anchor. Was he now? For six years uh, when management decided to move him off the program earlier this year. <laughs> he was replaced on an interim basis by Anthony Mason, somebody else I don't know. Okay. Uh, Mason will continue in his other roles as senior national correspondent and co-host of CBS This Morning Saturday. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. <laughs> by the way. This you- is quite a demotion. Yeah. I'm sure you were just being completely rhetorical when you said who still watches. Um I know that the uh, David Moore guy or whatever on ABC. Yeah. Uh, my grandmother watches him. She's uh, How old is she? 92. 92. So 
There you go. You're winning the 90-plus demo there, ABC. Good <laughs> luck, though. Maybe this guy can car cut into it a little bit, you know, over at CBS. Yeah, and that's that's the prime demo, too, the 90-plus number, because right. that's who's buying all your all your products that you're advertising on the news, right. I mean. obviously, right? Uh, 888-900-3393. <laughs> um, we still have plenty to get into. There's so, so much going on today. we got to get into this. This also fits into the immigration discussion. Paul Ryan saying the DACA program will be part of a spending bill. Mm, mm, <laughs> if that's mm. not perfect, I, I don't know what is. <laughs> uh, more Pat Gray Unleashed coming up. Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Talking about some of these immigration issues that were kind of highlighted during an MSNBC report at the border yesterday. As they're reporting on the border prototype walls, uh, they see three people hop over the existing border. Hey, welcome to uh, America. Fence and uh, immediately turn themselves into the border patrol because the border patrol then takes them, you know, to a facility and they're asked to show up in two months or whatever because the system is so jam packed full of illegals that do this, and then they're released and they never show up for their court date. Surprise! Uh, so, we've been talking about some of those issues, but also, this is kind of interesting. Doctors at Brigham and Women's Hospital are offering new parents a landmark genetic scan that screens newborns for around 1,800 different conditions. Most parents are, like I think I would, declining the controversial test. The test allows newborns to be tested before showing symptoms of diseases, including some cancers. Would you want to know? I mean, if there's nothing you can do about it, I don't think I'd want to know. The trial allows uh, uh, Robert Green, medical geneticist at Harvard and co-director of the Baby Sequence Project, along with Alan Beggs, told CBS this morning, the scan could absolutely save a child's life in the future. Hmm. But as he said, there are some drawbacks to the program. He said, I would have to say I'm not 100% com comfortable with it. What we're trying to do in this study is ask the question, how beneficial or harmful is it to go down this road? Some of the potential risks include breaches of privacy and genetic discrimination. We can't predict what kind of dis discrimination is going to be occurring by the time your child grows up. We can't predict whether so there's some sort of privacy breach. This information gets out and is used against your child in some sort of future scenario. And we most importantly can't predict the information's accuracy. And I think they also can't do anything about a lot of the diseases that they're detecting. Hmm. What are you going to do about it? Uh, I know what you could do about it. If you're a government and you hmm. have a single-payer health plan, a health system, you can require that scan be done on your newborn. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're the ones providing your health care. So your baby is this yep. is this is this uh, in utero or uh, no? It's, this, it's, it's after, after the baby's born. born. Well, yeah. okay. Well, hmm, yeah. That's, that's so they're not they're not talking abortions here. They're, All right. Which you 
they also have tests for that, though. Yeah, just wait till they get inside the womb with that test. And guess who's funding this uh, to the tune of $25 million? The National Institute of Health. So hmm. I wonder if that would enter into ever getting insurance for your children. Of course it would. Of course it would. Nine out of ten families have declined the test. That's pretty smart. Good for them. The initial round of results from the study should be available over the next several years. will help doctors and lawmakers determine how to use the testing in the future. I'm sorry, that's too big a risk. Mm. People are distasteful of information gathering. <laughs> yeah, you think? They're hearing about all these break-ins and hacks, and I'm afraid they're turning down the possibility of this information at this time because they just don't trust the future. I don't trust the present uh-huh. because I've seen the past. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, no thank you. And your baby sequencing test. I don't think so. Baby sequencing. Oh, Thanks all the same, however. Now, House Speaker Paul Ryan privately conceded to a group of House conservatives. Are there House conservatives? <laughs> Wait. There's a few. There's a few. I, we may have stumbled onto a species that I thought <laughs> was extinct. Huh. And yet he conceded to these so-called House conservatives that he plans to include a legislative fix for undocumented immigrants. And that's what he called them. Undocumented immigrants. It's like, the, you know, they forgot a post-it note when they crossed the border. That's all. They <laughs> forgot a piece of paper. That, uh, uh, who came to the United States as children in a year, year-end spending deal. So they're going to use the spending deal uh, as a battering ram to get their DACA program permanently etched in law. Because right now it's not. It's just, hey, we're going to, here's what we're going to do. We're going to ignore law and we're going to say that all of these Kids who came here with their parents, no fault of their own, at a younger age. And now they're still here and they're still illegal. But we're going to ignore that. And we're just going to let them all stay. That's been the prevailing theory. Until Trump said, no, we're not going to do that anymore. But what goes unmentioned a lot of times is that he told Congress in the meantime to write some laws so that they can stay here. Yep. I mean, Do your job, Congress. That is not what he said during the campaign. Nope. By the way, mm-hmm. asked if he envisioned a December omnibus spending bill, including cost-sharing reductions for Obamacare or some sort of solution for the Deferred Action Childhood Arrivals Program, which is DACA. Ryan told leaders of the Republican Study Committee that he didn't believe CSR payments would be part of the deal with Democrats, but that DACA will be. He did talk about the fact that that would be good if we could get ahead of that as opposed to being reactionary. All of these guys are just doing the same thing Democrats always do. This is why I didn't want Paul Ryan as Speaker of the House. This is why uh, I've not been a fan of Paul Ryan for quite some time because he's the same as having a Democrat as Speaker of the House. Virtually the same. Could be Paul Ryan, could be Nancy Pelosi. There's very little difference between the two now. When Huffington Post asked Walker if uh, he had said Republicans didn't have the votes to do something on DACA alone, and you know that's the case, and therefore he needs Democratic support, uh, he said it wasn't as clear-cut as that, and it rarely is, actually, but he did make a uh, reference that the DACA provisions would be something that might be part of the whole ball of wax. And we we could get rid of that ball of wax without wax rx oh, stuff 
which I'd like, which I'd like to do. Just get like an I ind- wish you could wash this away too. Wouldn't that be great? Industrial strength, man. Just take it to Congress. The steering committee, uh, steering committee member Rob Woodall pushed back some, but a little bit on on the idea that Ryan was saying DACA would definitely be a part of it. But uh, he agreed that he did suggest it. I would have said that we're having a discussion about where the year was going, what's left that's out there to get done. What's left? Everything. <laughs> Everything is left out there to get done. <laughs> they haven't done anything yet. Did they repeal Obamacare? Nope. Have they gotten tax reform done? Nope. Have they done anything on DACA? Nope. Have they secured the border? No. Is the border wall even starting construction? No. At least they do have the prototypes and they're looking at them. Mm. So what they're essentially doing right now is like when you're having your home built and you're picking out the tiles, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. The home construction hasn't even begun and it's not going to for, for a while because there's no funding for it. It's like you don't have any money for your house, but let's pick out the tiles right now. <laughs> How are you going to do that? Wait, I'm not going to pick out the tiles and the stone that I want on the exterior when I don't even have the money for the house. <laughs> do you know what that wall is going to cost? Now they're saying $21.6 billion. You, and they'll, they'll attach it to some other stupid bill, and it'll probably get rejected because Democrats, and they'll try to make it so Democrats can't not vote for it. But they will anyway because Democrats don't care. I just, I can't, I, it's hard to believe. I mean, as little confidence as I have in any of these people, they still shock me every day. They're just so predictable. Uh, it's uh, it's irritating. And again, you put your hand on the switch, and you're just about to turn the country off. Uh, Daniel in Florida, uh, welcome to the blaze. Hi. All right, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. So uh, this whole thing with uh, the genetic profiling of the infant, you know, yeah. I mean, we can't say for sure where this goes, but the question has been addressed. You may remember the documentary Gattaca. Or Jude Law really wanted to be an astronaut, and uh, yeah. he couldn't do it, yeah. you know, because he didn't have the right genetic profile. He had to take over another man, a genetically superior man's life to get in there. Right, right. I do remember that documentary. It was chilling. It was a chilling documentary. Uh, oh yeah, that was also the one where they tested them every day on like their on the levels of sodium in their system and all that. Because do you remember him going to the bathroom? And then a test would pop up, and it said he had too much salt in his in his bloodstream, and he couldn't have bacon for breakfast because of it. Remember that? Oh, I mean, it was. I remember it was nuts. Yeah, the uh, the you know the, they were testing his, you know, his genetic ID and everything. Every time he used the urinal, yep, he had to give blood just to enter the building. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. A, that's a good that's a good callback because that movie gives you a glimpse of what could be. Appreciate the call, Daniel. It, it really does. It tells you on many levels what happens when progressivism runs amok. And when the, when the government gets so big that they can force people to do whatever they want them to do, to wear what they want them to wear, to eat what they want them to eat. And you would do that because, just like with this genetic marker thing, you'd want to know if they're worthy of spending money on healthcare-wise. And, and if you're, if you're, Funding healthcare as a government, which really comes from the people's money anyway. But if you're funding, if you're funding healthcare and you're paying for people's healthcare, 
you're not going to want to pay for it if they if there's too much sodium in their diet because they're too high risk. Yeah. So so you're either going to control their diet or you're going to kick them off the the healthcare plan. Just as Great Britain is doing with fat people and smokers. <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to look at Gattaca or The Island, one of those sci-fi movies uh, for the future. All you have to do is look across the Atlantic Ocean to where we came from in the first place, the UK, and see what they're doing with their healthcare system. The National Institute of Health or whatever they call it there, um, which employs two and a half million people or something, the largest employer in Britain. And uh, supposedly their healthcare is fantastic because it's single payer. It's a socialist system. Well, now this socialist system is saying we don't have enough money to pay for fat people's health care. So if you're, if you're obese and we consider you to be too big for your surgery, we're not going to give it to you because you're high risk and you're going to die. And then we've wasted that money. So they're already telling people who are too obese. Ah, sorry, you can't have the surgery done until you lose 50, 60, 70, 100 pounds. I'm sorry, uh, we're not, we're, we can't insure you because you're a smoker and there's a really good chance you're going to get lung cancer. That's our future right there. 888 um, Do you know that Americans are spending up to 90% of their time indoors? That's a lot. We're not exactly the outdoorsy type anymore, are we? According to studies, the air that you and your family breathe inside your house, it's up to 100 times greater air pollution level than the air outside. And it doesn't make you feel very good. But here's the thing. It, you can replace your old, dirty, potentially dangerous air filters in your house and clean up the air in your house. With FilterBuy.com, this is a tremendous service. They send you the size you need within 24 hours plus free shipping. That way you don't have to you don't even have to go outside your home. You can continue to be an indoors person. <laughs> you could just order it and it gets there within a day. It's fantastic. I love this. I hate going to Home Depot for air filters. Filter filter buy uses double the industry standard MERV rating on most filter sizes. And I'll I'll spare you all the technical stuff, but here's the bottom line. You'll, you'll be easily removing dangerous pollen, you know, the mold, the dust, and other allergy-aggravating pollution. If you, Especially if you live in an area with a lot of humidity, mold is a huge problem. And it's a huge problem for both of my youngest sons because one has asthma and uh, the other has all kinds of allergic reactions. And this cleans up the air and takes all that stuff out of it. The only thing easier than changing an air filter is forgetting to buy more of them. When you set up your convenient auto delivery through filterby.com, you'll save 5%, and then you don't have to think about it ever again. They just come when you need them. Uh, FilterBuy manufactures everything right here in America. I love that, too. So go to filterby.com today and get the best price on top-quality filters, and they're shipped free within 24 hours. What a deal. FilterBuy.com. That's filterby.com. Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray. 
Pat Gray Unleashed. 888-933-93. The president right now is being asked about his treatment, again, of the uh, Gold Star Widow. And um, he, he's claiming, again, I was extremely nice to her. And I tend to believe him because several other conversations with these widows have been released by the widows. Because I think they're seeing what he's going through now. And they're saying, well, here's how he was with us. It was, he was awesome. He was completely appropriate. He was sympathetic. So I don't know if they're playing politics. And I, I'm not sure it matters. I, I would just... But he, he... Donald Trump doesn't handle things like this. But he should just let it go. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, he can't. And he's got to defend himself... And he's got to lash out when somebody says something wrong about him. When somebody says something uncomplimentary, he must chase that down. Uh, It's just, it's built into him. And he has said, I'm a counterpuncher. And he said that over and over and over again. And he is a counterpuncher, but he's also a first punch puncher as well sometimes. (laughs) Kind of a flailer sometimes, not so much a puncher. Uh huh. (sighs) It's not pretty. So, but I do tend to agree with, uh, to believe him on this, that he was extremely nice to, because I can't imagine not being nice (laughs) to a gold star family widow or a gold star family mom. I I can't, I just can't imagine what kind of person would you be? What kind of president would you be? You know, you have that responsibility and you know that if you are rude to him, this is going to happen. Yeah. And like you said, the evidence that we've actually heard from other calls, show that he is very cordial and very respectful. Yeah, uh, he's a commander in chief doing his job, a terrible part of the job, and and so I, I mean, is this audio out there? Because you got to think, you got to know, the president of the United States going to call you. I'm hitting record mm-hmm. on about ten devices to make oh, sure I capture it. So absolutely, you want that for posterity. You want it in case, uh, and if you're an opponent of his, you want it in case anything comes up. Which one was with? Yeah, the gold star mother, an opponent of his, right? Right. So right. Where's the Frederica Wilson, who's appropriating my cowboy culture, right. and I want it to stop. Still doing I want it to that stop. to you. She's still. I saw her last night. She's still wearing the stupid cowboy hat. Stop hater. it. Stop it. That's my culture, and you're appropriating it. I want it to stop. Well, at least she's not dressed as a calculator, as we learned earlier in the show. Well, which is awash in whiteness. Hatred. All mathematics, and what what are calculators for? Mm -hmm. Uh, Solving mathematical problems. Right. So don't even, don't dress as a calculator this year either. Tweeted to us earlier. Hateful. Hateful and racist is what that is. But if you missed it, let me play this, because this is really good evidence of how Donald Trump treated, and, and again, you might say, with the latest Gold Star Widow who released, well, she's white. She's probably a, a Trump supporter. This is actually an African-American woman uh, who received the phone call and listened to how that transpired. Yes, sir. I am so sorry to hear about the whole situation. What a, what a horrible thing, mm. except that he's an unbelievable hero. Thank you, um, President Trump. Those words are very kind. He was an amazing man, an amazing husband, and an amazing soldier. And uh, I, I couldn't be more proud of my husband than I am right now, sir, to be honest with you. Um, 
It's what my husband wanted to do. Yeah. You know, clearly he doesn't, he, he's uncomfortable, I think, making the call. Yeah. It, it feels like it is. Yeah. Like he is. Like, but, it, but that would be an uncomfortable situation to be in. Because you, I mean, you don't know what to say. You don't know if uh, they're, they're going to break down on you. You, you just, you want to handle it with kid gloves and you want to say exactly the right thing. Because you know it could go ugly at any time. And I think that call is edited um, for, for purposes of broadcast. But in that, um, in that same conversation, he goes into great detail talking about her children. I know she has a son yeah. who is a high There's, school. These, that's coming athlete. up. Oh, yeah, that's coming up. Yes, he's just an all-around guy. And um, I, I'm glad that you got to get to know a little bit about him and get to hear a little bit about him, Sarah. Um, my husband. And again, he knew things about him, right? And he knew things about the family. So that also leads you to believe... That he knew LaDavid Johnson's name, too. It, at least it does for me. And I could be completely wrong because I wasn't there. I didn't hear the phone call. And nobody seems to have a recording of it, unfortunately. It'd be great if, the, if we had actual evidence so that we could listen to it and, and decide. But based on this, sure seems like he makes sympathetic, appropriate phone calls to people. Is, uh, to me, he was already my hero, to be honest with you. We've been together 15 years, five children. Um, run down real quick, 2017, 15, 12, and 4. My son is currently um, in college in Missouri playing football. So when I say all around a hero, yes. And But now it's like the world gets to know he is an American hero. So thank you. I really, really appreciate it. I really do, sir. Thank you. That is so, that's so amazing. It's so amazing. And I'll tell you, when you're around, if you could, you know the people to deal with, but... If you're around in Washington, you come over and see me at the Oval Office, okay? Yes, sir. You just come really gracious. Because you are just the kind of family. This is what we want. And after, how good a football player is your son in Missouri? <laughs> That's a good, he's got to be pretty good. That's a good team, right? Yeah, yes, sir. He's cornerback. He's been playing since he was five. And he got a, hmm. a full academic um, scholarship when we were stationed in Hawaii, um, Schofield Barracks, sir. So it's his life. That's what he always wants to do. He, he, you know, he's doing it, sir. He's making me proud and he's making his father proud in heaven. So I have no complaints. I really don't. I'm a proud woman. Not a sports stop. It, it was academic. He's had a 3.7 and above, sir, since the grades could from kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade. Me and my husband, we never had to worry and never had to stress on him doing it. And just to add that he loves football on it first, there are no words, sir, to tell you how proud I am of my son. He's he, he's 20. Oh, God, yes. It, it, it's like I said. Are your other kids, are your other kids all outstanding? Or do you have to yes. We got some soccer players, right? So, you know, there are always a couple in the, in, in the group here. And I have, um, we have soccer players, cheerleaders, surf singers. It's, it's a roundabout of talent. And they all have their special ways and their own ways. You know, they're all truly amazing kids, so, yeah. Wow. I mean, it doesn't get any more appropriate than that, does it? No. <sighs> so, I tend to believe him, but again, uh, they're going after him as as he's boarding uh, Air Force One and uh, headed off somewhere. Uh, but he's, he also claimed during this interview with the press, the press makes me or, uh, more uncivil than I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it, lo- it looks like he's he's taking off. Uh, he's getting on Air Force One. He's coming to Dallas. Uh, we'll just have him in studio tomorrow, right? Oh, sure. Can we go ahead and promote that? Yeah, go ahead. Because so I'm here, sure he'd love to do that. Here at noon Eastern tomorrow, maybe. Uh, or maybe not. Or maybe not. I mean, I mean a, there's a possibility. It could go either he way. He may decline our no. magnanimous offer. I'm sure we're on the itinerary as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be a Pat Gray Unleashed. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Uh, or, or maybe not. 888 It was interesting. I was just looking because uh, the mother there said that uh, her son was going to University of Missouri. Mm-hmm. I was just looking for and said he was a quarterback. It's uh, like. Uh, corner if, or quarter? I thought she said quarterback. Okay. Sorry. Was it a cornerback? Uh, I'm going to just look up the Missouri roster. And I'm looking up. Uh, University of Missouri quarterbacks named Johnson. There's an Evan Johnston who was a Johnson, who was a walk-on quarterback. Mm. Uh, so that might be him because she said he was on athletic scholarship or not uh, an educational uh, right, right. scholarship. Scholastic, yeah. Scholastic yeah. scholarship, yeah. not Sorry. sports scholarship. Yeah, kind of interesting. Although Missouri, uh, Donald Trump was wrong about one thing: is not good this year. <laughs> I mean, they're not BYU bad. No one is. Look, I'm going to excuse him on that. I mean, he's got a lot going on. He's got a, well, he's got yeah. a tweet every five seconds. He doesn't have time to watch right. football. So. Had no time to check out uh, Missouri's year. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. It's Pat Gray unleashed. Pat Gray. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray is here. On the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, Jeffy's also here, so we, we have to have that. Are involved in chewing the fat with Jeffy. This is where he comes in with uh, fascinating stories that seemingly no one else is covering. Hey, don't oversell it, man. Okay, well, he's got some sometimes acceptable things that he thinks are interesting. That's a good setup there, huh, there you Jeffy? Go. You like I just that? like to first Let's of all start out, happy birthday to my oldest son. <laughs> hey! Uh, Elvis, happy birthday. What? Love you. Yeah. What are, you know, what is this? Like uh, the most expensive PA system in the world? No. Yeah. No. Yes. No. Uh, yes. No. Yes. <laughs> this is not your personal Hallmark greeting card, okay? Just made it that. <laughs> <laughs> How old is he, 15? Elvis? Oh, He's oh, there. Elvis! Uh, you're yeah, my eldest son. Oh, yeah. Okay, I thought you were talking He's about his, Max. I, but I don't know. Elvis is twenty nine, thirty ish, something like that. You don't know. Huh. You don't know when your son He's was born. He's got a wife. He's got a kid. Who cares anymore? Like, you don't remember that day that <laughs> he, he didn't, was born? He's he, retired he didn't from stick the NFL. In the NFL. He doesn't care. Right? <laughs> he wrote him he, off. He owns a couple of gyms, not making a dime for me. Uh-huh. So right? let's move so on. Whatever. I'm As a matter of fact, you've... I take my happy birthday back. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank <Matt>. you. Yes. <laughs> Rest in peace, Fats Domino. Oh, that's right. Uh, Eighty nine. I found my thrill. Uh, I know. On Blueberry. One of, one of the first ten honorees named to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
Oh, was and he? Uh, the Rolling Stone uh, record guide uh, likened him to Benjamin Franklin. What? <laughs> the beloved old man what? of a revolutionary movement. Okay. Okay. See what you did there. But I'm, so, another legend stretch. falls, huh? That's what I'm just saying. Well, that's what Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. That wasn't me. Yeah. Mm. I, 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 Listen I, to this. He's though. a fascinating guy. He quit school at 14, yeah. worked uh, in a factory while he was playing and singing in local joints at night. And then in 1949, he was working at a hideaway club for three bucks a week and signed with Imperial Record Company. Hmm. I mean, that's that's awesome. fascinating. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Yes. My favorite uh, my favorite memory of Fats Domino is during uh, Katrina. Mm-hmm. He was uh, rescued from his home. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, that's right. He was right. rescued from his home. And, uh, yeah, my I forgot favorite, about that. CNN was carrying it live. And uh, they're helping him off the boat, the rescue. And there's these two giant uh, National Guard guys uh, standing next to him. And the CNN anchor, you see the picture there of Fats getting off the boat. And as soon as he gets off, the two giant white National Guardsmen are standing side by side. And the CNN anchor, Fats Domino's the one in the middle. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I know we have to fill time for uh, Katrina's coverage, but uh, Mm -hmm. we figured that one out. Okay. I mean, (laughs) it's kind of interesting. He sold more than 65 million Records, which surprises me. Yeah. He outsold, I get this, he outsold every 1950s rock and roll act except Elvis Presley. Mm. That blows me away. Fats Domino? Yeah, that's huge. He also had more than 30 top 40 hits and a bunch of number one hits. I I didn't know he was that prolific. I know two songs by him, Ain't That a Shame and Blueberry Hill. That's that's all I can. Oh, yeah, I'm walking. walking. And then a shake, rattle, and roll. Okay, right? I know. That's there's four. four of them. Yeah. There's four. You're right. Uh, yeah, okay. There's four right. that, I, that I remembered, you know, if, the, if you mentioned Fats Domino. But, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. Right? I mean, he, that's yeah. what goes well with the funny story in one of the stories I was reading today about Fats where he was uh, going to buy, a, the, you know, it's one of the wise tales or famous <laughs> stories about Fats when he went to buy a couple of cars and the car dealer said, uh, which bank do you want to call for the loan? I am the bank. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. All right, so we also have uh, Colin Kaepernick in the news. Uh, signed the big book deal. Million-dollar book deal. Did he really? Yeah. Wait, not uh, an NFL contract? No, not an NFL contract. Mm-hmm. He signed a million-dollar book contract. Okay, with who? Uh, Random House. Boy, they must be imprint desperate. One World. They must be desperate. Worth a million. Right. Right. Because that's not going to pay off for you. Well, a million bucks to Kaepernick if he puts one thing in there that's uh, mildly new. Now you know what? It's not going to work. No, it's not <laughs> going to. I don't gonna think work. so. It's not going to. Um, you know, look. What's he, and what's the title? Take a knee. <laughs> uh, Probably. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sucked as an NFL quarterback. <laughs> Maybe now that, look. That, that might be an appropriate title. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not playing in the NFL, but I've got a hot girlfriend. Black Lives Matter. Uh huh. Um, you know, maybe I don't know, upkeep of the fro. I don't know what the title's going to be. Yeah, I mean, he's got a serious. There are rats in my hair, right. something like that, maybe. Instead of pro tips, it's fro tips with Colin Kaepernick. Right, but what's I mean? What is he going to say? Right, I mean, I don't know. But he's still got. Uh, look, they invited him to the uh, next NFL meeting, or it looks as though he's expected to be invited. Okay, to the next meeting, which is coming up next Tuesday. In mm-hmm. New York. I mean, what are we going to accomplish there? If we're already, I don't know. You know, the Seattle Seahawks defensive lineman Michael Bennett 
said that, uh, hey, Kaepernick's receiving a job needs to be a starting point in any discussions regarding social progress between players and the league. Oh, good gosh. Wow. Mm. Wow. Not exactly the guy to be listening to. His brother uh, flat out lied about what happened in, uh, in right. Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely just flat out lied about it. Right. And After videos have proven like, it. Yeah. The footage proves it. <laughs> So they don't have a leg to stand on. Shut it's, up. It's fascinating <clears throat> how much he's uh, still a part of the league. And you know what? Oh, actually, Michael Bennett's and the maybe, one who actually did it. So yeah, the player. Yeah, he's yeah. actually the guy. Uh, I was thinking of Martellus Bennett. Um, yeah, Michael was the one who lied specifically. So don't tell us where this social justice thing needs to begin. And, you know, he's, look, they're talking about he's certainly been in the news uh, this year while he hasn't been on the team uh, playing mm-hmm. on a team. Um, that might be an issue. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe one of the leading issues yeah. that the owners don't want to give him a job. Right. Uh, you know, a number two or three quarterback on your team getting all the coverage in the locker room? No. Yeah. Sorry. Well, look not, at Tebow. going to happen. Nobody invited yeah. him because nope. they didn't want the hassle. And it was good uh, PR. It was good chaos. I mean, it was – the things, Still, People right. loved him. Right. But nobody wanted that chaos on their team, right? So nobody brought him in. I know it's it's kind of frustrating. It is if you're if you're those guys, and they, you know they both they both took a knee and then out of the <laughs> yes. NFL. Yes, uh, out of the NFL they go. But uh, it's really, you know, really frustrating for them. But Colin, maybe you go to the meeting and say, "Hey, I've been uh, really practicing hard and uh, working on uh, working on my footwork, uh, working on some mm-hmm. of my defensive read. I'm studying a lot of defenses, and I'm ready to play." Instead of, uh, you should just give me a job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Uh, humans uh, are starting to uh, understand an invincible creature that I want to know more. And when we understand it, we'll be living for a long, long time. A lot longer than even I have been. Wow, long. really? Yeah. All right. The uh, tardigrade. The what? The tardigrade. Oh, yeah. T-A-R-D-I-G-R-A-D-E. Tardigrade. Uh-huh. Uh, or water bear. Uh, it's one of the many aquatic invertebrates on the planet, but uh, it's less than a millimeter in size, looks about like that, uh, can be found almost anywhere. Its hardiness is called cryptobiosis. All right? It releases, when, when it gets in a place it's not supposed to be or doesn't like, it releases all of its body water and turns into a shrunken little ball. Mm. And it can remain motionless, Four decades. Yeah. Astronauts left it unprotected in outer space for weeks. Came back to life. Radiation, lack of oxygen, came back to life. Hmm. Survive extreme pressure, back to life. Six times pressure, as great as the Marina t- Trench, back to life. Frozen in ice, 30 years, back to life when the ice melted. Really? Radiation threshold, a thousand times, at least a thousand times that of humans. I mean, they're using the tardigrade protein now to help humans withstand more X-ray radiation, which, uh, which I want. I mean, I want to be able to withstand more X-ray radiation. Uh huh. I mean, actually, you kind of do. And uh, they're saying that they've survived all four mass extinctions, and they'll survive until uh, you know the sun decides to to burn, burn out. us up in hell. So that will kill and them. I well, they say <laughs> they say so. I would what? disagree with that. So how long do they live? Forever, I mean, we don't we don't know. I don't know what kills them. They say that uh, they said that the scientists of this story said that they'll survive until uh, the Earth, you know, blows up and the sun burns us up. But 
Hmm. I would maybe disagree with that even. Yeah. Right? So I mean, they're pretty. Wow. I've never even heard of this. I have not either. Creature. Yeah. I mean, it was fascinating. Um, yeah. So they're not talking about the individual lifespan of these, they're talking about the species itself. Just survives no matter what. I think they're talking about both. Yeah. Are they? Yeah, the, the individual huh. species, because those right there. That I mean, they didn't. Uh, they didn't say how many they took into space that survived mm-hmm. the outer space, right? So I mean, maybe they, maybe they are. But the way I read the story was that they were talking about you know indiv- individuals and the species. Well, they're a water-dwelling, eight-legged, segmented micro animal. They're well, they a look micro good. animal. Uh, they were first discovered. By right. a German zoologist, Johann August I mean, Ephraim Goez. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. In 1773. I mean, I've read all his stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Not the cliff notes either. You've read the whole no, I've read volumes. About Johan, you can't get enough of Johan from me. You just can't. No, that's, that's true. I've, I've followed all of his discoveries. <laughs> so they live, they obviously live in the water, but they can be dried up and yeah. then they still live. Yep, yeah. they just dry up. They let it all, they let it all out. Mm-hmm. Roll up into a little ball and wait until they can come back to life. How weird is that? Amazing. I've never heard of this before. I have not either. Just that water. Fascinating. Huh. And why are they talking about it now? Well, they're using the proteins to help us withstand uh, the x-rays, you know, so our x-rays. But they're actually, if we could put those proteins to use in humans, uh, our lifespan could be a lot longer, right? They've been around for 600 million years. Supposedly, right. if you believe the Earth is more than seven thousand years old, which... I mean, those people that would believe something like that are dumb. <laughs> uh, that's really interesting. Uh, it's fascinating. I, I, I want a couple other things before uh, before we have to wrap up this segment. Um, I wanted to say remind you that we have a Facebook Live today. Mm-hmm. Stick around. Look, go to theblaze.com mm-hmm. and uh, you'll mm-hmm. blaze.com, the Facebook page. Facebook Blaze, whatever you know what it is. Facebook page for the place. Mm-hmm. You'll Facebook. be alerted when we do the Facebook live uh, here this afternoon, a special spoon segment, which is kind of annoying to me. I mean, this is a day when I, What's wrong, I, was, I was supposed to be good today oh. and start on a, the, start on a plan to get back into it. You could always just taste whatever it is on spoons and then leave the rest of it uneaten. It, I mean, that can happen for us. Theoretically, in theory, there's been supposedly some human life that's been able to do that in the past. (laughs) You're joking, Nobody believes that you're one of them. (laughs) Okay, but I have never seen that happen. (laughs) (laughs) And I just wanted to say hi to uh, NBC News and Dateline anchor Lester Holt. Hey, Les. What? (laughs) What is that for? Just because you were talking about Lester Holt. Yeah, well. And you were kind of bad-mouthing him. No, I wasn't. I'm just saying nobody watches him. You see what I mean? Nobody watches. And uh, I mean, he's yeah, number- I mean, it was kind of inferred, wasn't it, Pat? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I uh, just, you know, all right. Want people to know that he's still the anchor, still at NBC. Is okay. he really? Still uh, kind of leading the pack if you look at the right demo. <laughs> oh, not the ninety plus that CBS is targeting. No, uh, no, but ABC won uh, won a couple. Of it's handy, capable people over the age of eighty, but under ninety five. Under ninety five. Who walk with a limp. That were born in the month of June or July? Yes. Okay. Number and, one. And live only in Nebraska. Number <laughs> one. <laughs> he is number one with that category. Uh, I, I'm surprised you haven't uh, mentioned anything about uh, football. My BYU Cougars were in the news again yesterday. Oh, what happened? Uh, they, you know, this season is going so well. Okay. At one and seven. 
that they've uh, they just continue to lose more players. This is what we talked they've about 20, yesterday. 23 injuries to a first or second string guy. 23. Now, uh, they've got players who are being booted out because of the honor code. Oh, boy. Our leading rusher on the season, Ula Tulotau, uh, just... What'd you call me? Yeah, what? It's kind of rough, man. Ula Tulotau. Okay. He just was uh, caught with possession of some controlled stu- substance. Oh. So, bye bye. He's done for the year, I'm sure. Uh, forever, and two right? Other guys. BYU, he could be gone forever. He's going to another yeah. school. Yes. Not caffeine, though, right? Yes. I mean, I'm, no, I'm, not, I'm not bad mouthing BYU for that. Yeah. I'm just saying, no, I know. good. That's their deal, right? Yeah, that's their deal. Amazing. And so it just continues to get well, worse. Well, look. When you lose, start losing. We talked about this yesterday, which is why we think, which I personally believe wholeheartedly the coach needs to go. So do I. That uh, now we're looking at the culture of the team Mm -hmm. falling apart Mm -hmm. and going against the honor code and believing what they want to do. That stems from the top, my friend. Which is exactly why you need a change at the top. Yes. That's exactly why. So you save recruiting. Absolutely. Save the recruiting. You bring back some structure and some discipline to the yep. players that have already lost it. Uh, yeah. That's it's a bad a, move. It's a him. real shame uh, what's going on there. Yes, it is. Triple eight, Let me tell you about um, Gotenna. Preparedness is, you know, something I'm all about. And uh, even though the principles of preparedness don't change, the technology certainly does. Gotenna mesh mesh. Powers the first 100% off-grid, mobile, long-range, consumer-ready mesh network. That means that you can send texts and GPS locations without cell towers, routers, or satellites. So if anything goes wrong and the towers go down or they're jammed or whatever the case may be, you pull these babies out. Just clip them on your belt or put them in your pocket. Super lightweight. What does that weigh? Maybe four ounces? I mean, it's... Oh, oh. Yeah. That it's almost light. killed you, didn't it? Re- really light. And so these are perfect for outdoor enthusiasts or avid travelers or anybody who just wants to be off the grid and have a communication nice. solution when service isn't there. So you, all you have to do is pair the device with your phone. Do not do not put that in your pocket because you're not leaving with it. All you have to do is pair it with your, uh, with your phone using the GoTenna app or just leave it unpa- unpaired in strategic locations, and then you can relay communications from device to to device. Right now, when you go to GoTenna.com and use the promo code PAT15, you get 15% off your order of two, four, or eight packs. Don't wait until you need this to get this. Visit GoTenna.com today and save 15% with the promo code PAT15. That's GoTenna.com. GoTenna, G-O-T-E-N-N-A.com. GoTenna.com. Pat Gray Unleashed returns after this on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray returns on the Blaze Radio Network. 888-933-93. We have a psychologist coming up in a few minutes here at the top of the hour uh, who is going to talk about this transgender movement, especially as it applies to children. Uh, this is something I think that people need to hear, especially the left. Um, her name is Dr. Michelle Critella, 
She's the president of the American College of Pediatricians. And she's going to she's going to talk about transgenderism in children and how wrong it is, how absolutely outrageous it is for parents of five year old kids to be starting some sort of transgender process with their children. They don't know at that age. They don't know. And if you start them on hormone therapy and all of that at five or six or, you know, you you encourage them dressing up in dresses if they're a boy or, you know, uh, insisting that they're a boy when they're a girl at that age. Um, well, I'll let her explain what happens and how healthy that is. Pretty amazing. Uh, 888-933-93. That's coming up in, in just a few minutes. In the meantime, some breaking news about the Las Vegas gunman, Stephen Paddock's brother. He's now been detained for child porn as this thing just keeps getting weirder every day. Authorities say the brother of Las Vegas shooter, Stephen Paddock, has been arrested in Los Angeles on suspicion of possessing child porn. The arrest of Bruce Paddock was confirmed by law enforcement but they couldn't really discuss it publicly. He's not considered a suspect at all, though, in the Las Vegas shooting. The official just says the child porn case predates the shooting. Wasn't immediately known if he has an attorney. Uh, But this is the guy who was out on his lawn talking to uh, the press a lot, and maybe he shouldn't have been. Maybe he should have just kind of sunk into the background and kept his mouth shut. And uh, But it's it's good that if he's into child porn, it, he's been caught doing that's, that. That's that one, right? That that brother? Because I know the guy, the shooter, had a couple of brothers. Um, I think you're right. I just want to make sure. I, I think it is. Okay. I just want to make sure. Um, see if it is, Bruce, because, yeah, I don't want to falsely accuse anybody. Uh, also, a filmmaker accused of sexual harassment apparently has assaulted a shocking number of women. James Toback, told you about this guy yesterday, 72 years old. He's accused of sexual harassment and assault by maybe hundreds of women. (laughs) Another Hollywood guy abusing maybe hundreds of women over a period that goes back to the 1980s. Many of the women said that he would pretend to be interviewing or auditioning them. Then he would ask them explicit questions about their sex lives and end up pleasuring himself right in front of them, groping them, uh, it, it, ugly stuff. In the initial report, the LA Times earlier this week said 38 women, but apparently it's a lot more than that. 31 of the 38 spoke on the record. Most of the stories have not yet been verified, but uh, the LA Police Department has received numerous phone calls related to him since the story broke, so this thing's far from over. And as people continue to get caught up in this story, because there's a wildfire burning right now, and it might be a little bit of out of control, um, because it is also swept up in the fire, George H.W. Bush, former president <laughs> of the United States. And he's apologized, so... Is he admitting he did this? Uh, president, wow. Former President George H.W. Bush has apologized to an actress after she claimed he sexually assaulted her while he was in his wheelchair. <laughs> Heather Lind, 34, she's, she starred in AMC's series Turn, 
Washington's spies. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. She made the allegations against the 93-year-old former president on Instagram in a lengthy post with accompanying photos. She says, when I got the chance to meet George H.W. Bush four years ago to promote a historical television show I was working on, he sexually assaulted me while I was posing for a photo. He didn't shake my hand. He touched me from behind in his wheelchair with his wife, Barbara Bush, by his side. And then he told me a dirty joke. Oh, boy. In a statement to the Daily Mail, the former president's spokesperson responded, President Bush would never under, under any circumstance intentionally cause anyone distress, and he most sincerely apologizes if his attempt at humor offended Ms. Lind. I mean, he's 93. Mm. You know, maybe he's lost it a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, that's four years ago, right? When asked for comment, he said... <sighs> Now, that's on the record? Yeah, well, it's not an exact quote. I'm okay. paraphrasing there. Paraphr- okay. It was more like... <sighs> so, oh. <laughs> again, it's just paraphrasing. Yeah. That's not an ex- don't put that in quotation marks. No, no. Sources say. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. By the way, just a little housekeeping here. It was... Um, uh, the brother um, of Paddock. Eric is the gregarious oh, one okay. in Florida. So this isn't the guy no. who's been outs- outspoken. Now this okay. other brother wow. has a long... Uh... Family's got some problems. Yep. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Michelle Cortella uh, coming up next on Pat Gray Unleashed. Pat Gray. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. 888-900-3393. It is Pat Gray. Uh, you know, one of the things that's just gone crazy over the last couple of years is is the situation with uh, transgenderism. Uh, it was something you never heard about, people you rarely saw. Now all of a sudden is so prevalent that we're we're not allowed to say certain pronouns anymore and and in california was was contemplating a law where if you use the wrong pronoun for someone at a rest home you could actually go to jail for it you could be fined and you could go to jail not just fired from your job uh and the and the proliferation of children being transitioned and their parents involvement in that just i mean we are not that far removed it seems from believing that transgenderism was some sort of mental illness we've we want to talk to uh, dr michelle uh, Cretella, who recently at a uh, speech she was making s- said this about it as to the studies there are two that i am aware of which claim that affirming your child's gender confusion is good for them number one it assumes that coaching a child into a fixed false belief is mentally healthy. Uh, science doesn't allow you to assume your conclusion. Number two, those studies are extremely small. Number three, those studies are very short term. 
And number four, the control group of mentally healthy children are the siblings. Most of them were siblings of the trans-identifying child. Oh, and there's a number five. The parents were the ones evaluating the mental health of the children. These are, this is Mm. not science. I don't think you need to have an MD or a PhD to know that's not science. That's ideology masquerading as science. Chemical castration, which is what you are doing when you put any biologically normal child on puberty blockers. Wow. Um, we, we have Dr. Michelle Cortella joining us uh, on the phone. She is the president of the American College of Pediatricians. Uh, Dr. Cortella, welcome to The Blaze. Hi, thank you very much. Um, I just want to clarify, I think earlier you described me as a psychologist, but I'm, I okay, actually not am a, psych- a pediatrician. Pediatrician, yeah, <laughs> yeah which, which makes yeah. sense since you're the president of the American College right. of Pediatricians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no so um, tell us what, what uh, I mean, what what is going on right now? Because it does seem like parents aren't just enabling children to to transition from boy to girl or girl to boy. They're actually encouraging it in some cases. Right. But I, I don't uh, necessarily locate the responsibility with the parents. I'm really, and not just myself, but um, folks, physicians and therapists on the left, we are really criticizing our own professions, uh, medicine mm. and psychiatry um, together. And I just want to make a, a a point here. Their um, physicians and therapists on the left uh, are increasingly speaking out, but it's more difficult for them because they will be punished for doing so. Right. Um, youth gender professionals, you can Google them online and, um, and get a perspective of LGB affirming health professionals who are very concerned with the um, transgendering of children. Um, so what we're seeing is the medicine, psychiatry, are basically saying, um, if you have a delusion, uh, you can still be mentally healthy. It doesn't matter that your thinking doesn't measure up with biological reality. You're still normal. And that's just an outrageous proposition. Um, mm. No one is born transgender. We, we know this. Science proves it definitively in the twin studies. But can you even say that today without being oh, vilified well, I mean, in the press? Of course, I'm, I'm a hate monger because oh, yeah. I'm actually, you know. And, yeah. and, but this is perhaps the most insane thing about the transgender movement is that transgenderism is so anti-science and anti-reality. It essentially says that biology is bigotry. And that is just outrageous. Um, Mm. So I, as president of the American College of Pediatricians, I have received phone calls from parents who are desperate for um, help to avoid putting their gender-confused children on hormones. So I just want to say that up front. This isn't a, uh, you know, I mean, yes, some parents have um, unfortunately been and understandably been taken in by the movement. The culture is so saturated. Mm-hmm. But there are still a number of parents out there who want solid therapy to help their confused children. Um, so I do want to say that. It's probably not even politically correct to say that these kids need therapy, right? If, right. if, if they're thinking, if a little boy thinks there's a girl inside of him, 
mm-hmm. that's perfectly normal to a lot of these psychologists now. Um, correct. That's what's being handed down from the elites up above. And yeah. what the general public doesn't understand is that within these organizations, within the American Psychological Association, the American Psychiatric Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, um, these policies are are written by um, small self-selected committees and then passed by uh, the board directors. So when they pass the policy saying, oh, the 65,000 pediatrician organization says you must affirm your gender, uh, your transgender child, that's not 65,000 pediatricians behind it. It was probably 30 no more than 30 pediatricians who wrote that and passed it because the membership of the American Psychiatric Association, the American Psychological Association, the Pediatric Association, the membership has no input. Um, And the other point, too, is that science, even if the whole membership did have input and voted in favor, science and ethics are not determined by vote. Right. Um, You know, we we need some rationality and you need to... uh, Reality matters, and the fact is that none of them point out, and parents know this, little children, as well as teenagers, are impressionable, and especially little children. Mm-hmm. Um, between the ages of, of uh, two and seven, authority figures, and especially parents, what goes on in the family, that impacts them the, tremendously. And children ages seven and under, many of them, sure, many of them can accurately say, I am a boy, I am a girl, but ages seven and under may still believe that how you dress can change your biological sex. Children seven and under do not understand that biological sex is stable and constant, and that's why you know, letting your child cross-dress and and giving them a different name, that's going to solidify their confusion, not help them figure it out. Right. Um, Yeah. So uh, is it it still, uh, is transgenderism still officially uh, described as a mental illness? um, No, no. In fact, um, in 2013, the American Psychiatric Association with a, again, this was a small, working group, um, I'm, no, I won't say, I, probably around a, a dozen or so of psychologists, psychiatrists, experts in the field decided that they would no longer call it gender identity disorder. Because if you label it an identity disorder, it's quite clear. Identity is in the mind, yeah. and the problem is your thinking. They wanted, their intention was good. They wanted to decrease stigma. Um, so they relabeled it gender dysphoria and said, okay, well, the thinking isn't the problem. The dysphoria, which means discomfort, being distressed, um, that's what we want to treat. So the moment, so if someone thinks they're the opposite sex and is really upset about this, mm-hmm. the problem isn't that their thinking does not match their body. The problem is they're upset about it. So once we relieve their emotional distress, they no longer have a disorder. So that's the game, you know, that, okay. that's the game that we're playing. And, and that was sort of the beginning of the end of rationality in this realm. Um, and, and now what we're seeing, I mean, essentially, um, and, and 
again, as president of the College of Pediatricians, we have academic members, uh, pediatricians working for um, universities and children's hospitals across the nation. I also hear from parents across the nation and therapists. Once a child declares that they are the opposite sex, they are essentially put on this pathway of, okay, you are, that's what you believe, and by golly, it's true. They're not, they're not questioned. There's no mm-hmm. true analysis going on. And um, they're socially impersonating the opposite sex. And somewhere between, although the, the quote-unquote guidelines, which are not science-based to begin with, recommend putting the child on puberty blockers around age 11, children are actually going on those puberty blockers between ages 9 and 12. Um, so they're losing. When you get put on, when the children get put on the puberty blockers that early, they're prevented from uh, developing mature ovaries if they're girls or mature uh, sperm if they're boys. Um, mm-hmm. so, that, so that chemically they're prevented from looking like their true biological sex. Right. And ultimately, once on those blockers, virtually 100% of those kids decide they really are transgender and ask to be put on the cross-sex hormones, the sex change hormones, which will leave them, that combination in that order, will leave them permanently infertile. What, what do you recommend, uh, Dr. Cortella? We're speaking with Dr. Michelle Cortella, president of the American College of Pediatrics, about transgenderism, and, and especially as this applies to kids. Uh, if if a child is confused at four, five, or six years old, what do you recommend their parents do about that? Um, you know, initially, the, you want to, um, our recommendation is affirm your child for the, the boy or the girl, that, that you love them and that they're unique, the unique boy and girl that they are. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. it's uh, a boy or a girl who's breaking sex stereotypes, and so just, you know, hey, it's all right. You can be a girl who loves to climb and rush and tumble and, okay, you don't like the girls' uniform at the school. Um, let's see if we can work with administration and, you know, maybe can we work something out here. Um, if, there's, if there's bullying going on because your child is breaking sex stereotypes, well, let's address that. Um, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here, you know, the um, – mm-hmm. Try and, and um, really make sure you're affirming your child. We don't want to divorce them from their bodies. We want to help them embrace their bodies. Right. Um, and, uh, I mean, especially in this time of body shaming, you would think this is just so common sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, you would um, think, and yet yeah. common sense doesn't seem to factor into a lot of uh, our thinking today. Yeah. Is there is there ever a point at which it's appropriate to start them on uh, hormone therapy or talk about surgery and do all of those things, or or is it? I mean, do you always consider it a mental illness and it needs to be cured? Um, okay, so so here, so the College of Pediatricians is most concerned about the the long term harm that's being done to to children to that kids. they're being coached into mm-hmm. this. If they, were, if they were supported through natural puberty, up to 95% of them would, out, would outgrow the confusion. Wow. Uh, now, but that still, that still leaves 
at somewhere between 20, somewhere between 5 to as many as 20% of children may not outgrow it. And so as, as a college of pediatricians, we want to give the kids the greatest chance possible. We say do not put them on any hormones or surgery before um, age of consent, 18, preferably not before 21. Mm-hmm. Um, we would always consider it a mental illness, but the question becomes, the question in, in adult medicine becomes, okay, this is an adult who has um, cognitive maturity and, and, you know, pluralistic society and rights and so forth. Can they, with their uh, physicians and therapists, decide, you know what, I am, my distress is, is so significant, therapy isn't working, might, might this cosmetic hormone, basically hormone and surgical uh, impersonation, might that be the best we can do to relieve this? That is, mm-hmm. So for us as the American College of Pediatricians, no, this is never normal, but going to such an extreme with such long-term physical consequences should be reserved for adults, not, uh, not foisted upon children who have absolutely no capacity uh, to assent to these sorts of things. Uh, this must feel like kind of uh, shouting in the wilderness. You must feel uh, kind of lonely out there saying these things because I don't hear anybody reminding people of these very basic and scientific and biological facts. Right. Because you right. just get beaten down with it. So good for you for, for taking a stand on that. I appreciate it. Thanks for well, what thank you're doing. Thank you very much. And let me put, so bestforchildren.org, that is our uh, website, bestforchildren.org. Okay. Bestforchildren.org. .org, yep. Okay. And, um, and also, if, you're re, if your um, followers can take a look at Hands Across the Aisle. Hands Across the Aisle is a coalition of folks on the left and the right, which makes me feel a lot less lonely. <laughs> yeah. uh, we are one of the members, um, and, but it's, it's so important for folks to know that this is a bipartisan issue. Yeah. It's not only, um, and, and technically, we're, I may be one of the most vocal folks speaking out, but mm-hmm. I'm not alone, and uh, it's just simply too important a topic uh, to ignore. Appreciate it. Thanks for all you're doing, Doctor. Thank you so Talk much. To you Thanks. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. I mean, you know, her statement that kids are being coached into mental illness is obvious, and, and it's just fact. And yet, you know, she'll be called a hater for it. She'll be called uh, uh, who knows what all kinds of vile things she'll be called. But it's really tough to stick up for biology, just common biology, and yet. The left will say that we're the science deniers when they're denying all kinds of science now. Uh, President of the American College of Pediatricians, if you you want to check out more, you can go to bestforchildren.org. And uh, you're about to tweet that out. You may not be aware of that. I am. No, I'm fully aware. At Pat Unleash. Yes. About to tweet that out. Okay. Also, you may not be aware, but there's a there's an organization, there's a company that can really help you become prepared for pretty much any eventuality to make sure that whatever happens, if there's a if if there's a an an immediate disruption of the food supply, you and your family will still eat. <laughs> Call my friends at My Patriot Supply. They are the experts. Talk to them about short range survival as well as long-range food storage uh, survival plans. 
Uh, you can start at three days if you want to, like a 72-hour kit that has enough to get you through for three days, and then maybe help is there. Or they've got this uh, great 102-serving survival food supply, which is good for a month for one person or a week apiece for a family of four. And that's under a dollar serving right now. My Patriot Supply, these are the experts. They, they made sure that they get the food to the point where it actually tastes really good. Because the theory has always been, well, if you're hungry enough, you'll eat sticks and worms. You, you might, but you don't have to. <laughs> it's a lot better if it tastes good as well as, you know, is nutri- nutritious and, and prevents you from starving. So this week, get their 102 serving survival food supply, which includes breakfasts, lunches, dinner, and it's only uh, it's less than a dollar per serving. Call them today while you're thinking about this. 888-411-5293. 888-411-5293. Or online at preparewithpat.com. That's my Patriot Supply at preparewithpat.com. Pat Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. Got a big Facebook Live Spoons episode coming up in a few minutes. That's free food? Free food. Nice. Yep. Uh, At Pat Unleashed, you could tweet us. Uh, You can listen to the show whenever you like on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and uh, check out anything you might have missed. Catch up on everything. And there's always the Blaze app as well. BlazeRadio.com or TheBlazeTV.com. And, of course, uh, Facebook us at, uh, you know, and thumb up me on Facebook. At multiple locations, including <laughs> Pat Unleashed. Hmm. Uh, 888-900-3393. Fascinating to talk to uh, Dr. Cotella because nobody's willing to say that. Uh, virtually no one is brave enough, has the courage enough to tell the truth on this thing, on this transgender issue. I mean, like that's... What is the definition of normal? It's the norm, right? It's what most people feel and think and are. So if 0.07% of the society is doing this, then that's not exactly the norm, right? It's, uh, it's out of the ordinary, and it's been considered forever to be a mental illness. And just because it, it, it's been that way for a long time doesn't mean it's wrong. But that seems to be our new mindset, that we've got to throw out every old perception that we used to have, every traditional perception every traditional value they've all got to go because it's 2017 after all and everything's changed <laughs> crazy uh 888-900-3393 also uh president trump was just uh accosted by the press again and he was asked about his gold star conversations with these gold star widows and uh there's another widow who whom he spoke with that says he was great. Yeah, he he was. He spoke to the he spoke to the kids. Yeah, to her young boys, yeah. which is really cool. You don't have to do that, um, but he's <sighs> taking time out of his schedule to do those things. One of the things he did say that I don't quite agree with is that there's great unity in the Republican Party. No, <laughs> he just actually <laughs> made that statement uh, oh. moments ago. 
There's great unity well, I mean, in the Republican Party. How do you define unity, Pat? I mean, it's a pretty open-ended uh, definition, isn't it? Yeah, well, no. Oh. No, it's not. It's when uh, people are united, which we're not. No. Uh, so, Also, I uh, promised to tell you about this, this guy in Canada who uh, was fined by the authorities for singing Everybody Dance Now loudly in his car. <laughs> Remember that song, the yeah. CNC Music Factory? Bow. Everybody dance now. Tupac Muala, 38 years old, driving near his suburban Montreal home uh, in late September when police pulled him over. They asked him for identification and whether he'd been screaming. <laughs> he said, no, I, I was singing. I was singing the refrain, everybody dance now, well, that's... but not loud enough to disturb anyone. Apparently, the cops uh, disagreed. The Montreal man had been on his way to the grocery store to buy a bottle of water when the 90s dance track started playing on his CD player. Police checked inside the car along with his license and registration, handed him back his documents along with a fine. He said he was shocked by the ticket. He didn't, he didn't think singing merited a fine. I... Kind of don't either, but in Canada, almost anything goes now. Yeah. He said, I understand if they're doing their job, they're allowed to check if everything's okay, if I kidnap someone or if there's danger inside, but I'd never expect they'd give me a ticket for singing. <laughs> okay, but it's CNC Music Factory, right? So yeah, got to draw that, the line I mean, somewhere, man. He just has such bad taste in music that they couldn't believe somebody actually had that on a <laughs> CD. And you got to, he's obviously a danger to society. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's something I haven't been pulled over for. I've been pulled over for everything else. Yeah, that's like the only one missing from your but not for singing collection. <laughs> I actually got pulled over a couple of years ago for having my tires on the white line before the the you know the sidewalk lines where yeah. people can cross the street. Yeah, crosswalk. Deal. Yeah, the crosswalk. Yeah, there's scoff laws. What you are? Yeah. And, I, and my tire touched the white line where you're supposed to stop. And uh, I got a ticket for that. Good heavens. <laughs> I mean, what? Were uh, you being stalked by this cop? My, my, my wife has been pulled over, I don't know, 84 times and has gotten a warning in every case. She's never gotten a ticket here. She's been pulled over as much as I have. She's never gotten a ticket. I have 15. It just, it's, it's not fair and it's not right. And I'm going to take oh. a knee now. All right, triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Pat Gray, the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray returns. On the Blaze Radio Network. Hi. 888-933-93. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Pat Unleashed. Use the hash- hashtag TellPat. And uh, we've got some tweets from GD uh, Chapel and others. Uh, TellPat, the tardigrades like lifespan is only a few months but when dehydrated they can last a century wow that's really interesting so they only last a few months they don't live a really long time it's just the species and and jeffy was like oh it's both no 
No, that's, apparently not. That's Jeffy research there. <laughs> uh, let's see. <clears throat> More. Let's see. At Pat Unleashed. Missouri is at 104. Oh, yeah, the rankings. College football rankings from Nate Miller here. Mm-hmm. BYU is at 121. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're that good. I, <laughs> how, how, many, how many programs how are many, there? How many FBS teams are there? There's a, like 129. Mm-hmm. They're 129th. Okay. Nebraska is a healthy 76th. Oh, yeah, that'll get you into a bowl game then. Jeez, that is just so awful. Terrible. And I, I don't know, it, you know, I don't know how you pull out of it. Other programs have been through this. You know, I, uh, Miami Hurricanes have not been good until this year for a while. I don't know if they ever had a one in 12 season like we're about to have. But mm-hmm. um, uh, Notre Dame's not been good for a long time until this year. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll come out of it. We'll snap out of it. Sure. Paul writes, BYU injuries, uh, BYU injuries. That's what happens when you have old men trying to play football. Okay, oh. no, you didn't. Oh, oh no, you didn't. No. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> Paul, he did. He went he did. there. He did. How's that feel, man? Bastard went there. He went there. I got it. Okay, you know, nobody is saying BYU is old because they're not good this year. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that only comes up. Yeah. That excuse only arises yeah. Yeah. when they're good. Mm-hmm. And you know they're going to kick your butt. And then it's like, well, they're a bunch of mature old men. Right. You got grown men out there playing against my college kids that are almost babies. That's kind of really? like a global warming purist, you yes. know? Or that's yes. that's a good point. That drives me out of my mind. And and it's it's so it's such a ridiculous argument. First of all, the team average is twenty one and a half years old. Or twenty one point four, something like that. Most other teams in college football are right around 21 years old or 20.5 years old. Mm. So it's like a matter of a few months. And the other thing is, you think a mission is good for your football career? Right. (laughs) Yeah, how much free time do they get to work out? You're going to a place like, I don't know, Outer Mongolia. You're eating crappy food. If you're eating, you're not working out because you don't don't have time. Mm -hmm. You can't, I mean, they're not... They're not training. They can't play football. You can't compete, right. You can't compete. Uh, you can maybe do it for a half an hour a week. You could go out and, wow. and run or exercise or whatever. But you, you, you're not playing football. And when you come back, you're not in shape. You haven't played football in two years. It takes a long time to get your legs out under you again. Wow. That old thing, uh, that drives me nuts. I, I've got another tweet here that I'd like to share with you, Pat, if I may. Uh, from right. DM and DM, mm-hmm. who says, please... For the love of all that is right with the world, mm-hmm. have Pat Unleashed do some CNC Music Factory as Al Gore. <laughs> I agree. I want to hear that. Everybody dance now. Boom, 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 boom. Everybody dance now. I will have to work that up. <laughs> Give me the music. Give me the music. Everybody dance now. I, I don't remember the the chorus very, or the verse very Let's well. See, where are we at here? How does that go? It's kind of a rappy sort Let's of see. cadence, I think. Um, Isn't it? Well, Let's we'll, see. Back with the pace. My jam is live and I'm best. And don't. Oh, boy. It's been a yeah, long we'll, time. Yeah, we'll work on that and see if we can. Uh, the word butts in here, though. That's, that's always a bonus. Yeah, it is. Uh, also, I'm wondering if anybody believes that George H.W. Bush sexually assaulted this actress, Heather Lind, who's 34, starred in the AMC series Turn, Washington's Spies, 
Um, and she claims that when she got the chance to meet him four years ago, so he would have been 89 years old at the time, to promote a historical television show I was working on, obviously a turn, he sexually assaulted me while I was posing for a photo. He didn't shake my hand. He touched me from behind from his wheelchair with his wife, Barbara Bush, by his side. And he told me a dirty joke. Uh, I, I don't know. Has he lost, you know, some normal block thing that stops people from doing those kinds of things mm. because he's so old? Maybe. You know, has his sense of propriety maybe been dulled or gone away a little bit? I don't know. Maybe. But is he really touching her inappropriately from his wheelchair? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. She since has deleted her Instagram post. Uh, and then all the while, while being photographed, she says, he touched me again. Barbara rolled her eyes as if to say, not again. His security guard told me I shouldn't have stood next to him for the photo. What? Can that possibly be true? Well, Photo in question was taken at a private screening of Turn with the former president and first lady in attendance in Houston in 2014. Standing alongside Lind and the Bushes were her fellow Turn castmates, Seth Numrich and others that I've never heard of. We were instructed to call him Mr. President. It seems to me a president's power is in his, his or her capacity to enact positive change, actually help people, and serve as a symbol of our democracy. Her, her post went on. Yeah, Pumpkin, we're, we're not a democracy. Okay, so he shouldn't serve as a symbol of something we're not. That would be stupid. That'd be weird, right? Yeah, it would. Okay. He relinquished that power, she says, when he used, used it against me. And judging from the comments of those around him, countless other women before me. I, I have never heard that alleged by anybody. Uh, I mean, this, that's what I was saying earlier. This, you know, sexual harassment fire is going to burn a little bit out of control and probably burn some people that don't deserve to be burned. Now, I don't know if George H.W. Bush is one of them. I mean, you know, maybe his sense of propriety is a little bit off. I don't know. It's hard to believe, though, that if he's in his right mind and, and you know, totally in control of his capacities, that he would do something like that. Right? I mean, this is a guy who is a war hero, who has a lifetime of service in Congress and the CIA and vice presidency and presidency. I, it's, it's really hard to believe. Yeah, we got a spokesman for Mr. Bush. Uh, let's see, he said it was just an attempt at humor. Quote, President Bush would never under any circumstance intentionally cause anyone distress, and he most sincerely apologizes if the attempt at humor offended Mrs. Lynn. So that does sound like he told an off-color joke. It's something. Doesn't it? But you could totally, tell me, you could totally see if, if this was Bill Clinton at 93. <laughs> oh, you'd be like, oh, that's <laughs> oh, all yeah. he did? I mean, what? I don't even know what he did, but. Yes. Uh, seriously. Uh, yeah, it just yes. doesn't, it seems out of character from what we know, but yeah, we don't necessarily know everything about people. Also, Miami cops have stopped protecting uh, the Miami Dolphins who are protesting during the national anthem. Love that. Here's what the cops did. Florida police officers upset by NFL players kneeling during the, the anthem responded by reducing the amount of security Sunday at the Dolphins game. Number of off-duty officers working the event was about a third less than usual. Rather than 400 officers, just 270 were expected to help maintain order as the Jets played 
the Dolphins. As of Friday, only 175 officers had volunteered to work the game, requiring some to be forced into working. Those who worked will be paid overtime. This whole movement started against police officers, and now it's morphed into disrespecting the flag in the country. I, I mean, I, that's great. I'm all about that. If, if the police are so bad, then you don't want them around, right? And who would have guessed 400 officers staff NFL football games? 400? That seems uh, like a lot. Isn't <laughs> that <laughs> a lot? Jeez. Well, you know. If less and less people start going to the games, you won't need yeah, as many cops anyway. So. You won't need them. Okay. Uh, 888-900-3393. Also, uh, this... This Russian collusion thing is starting to burn. You talk about fires burning out of control. Uh, Hillary Clinton and the Democratic National Committee are also being uh, toasted by this a little bit. They apparently helped fund research that resulted in the dossier. Is this the dossier that claimed all kinds of weird sexual things? Yeah, that's the, the one. same one, mm-hmm. right? And it's been completely discredited. Mm-hmm. It, none of this stuff happened. Um, but it contained allegations about Trump's connections to Russia and possible coordination between his campaign and the Kremlin. Um, Mark Elias, who is a lawyer representing the Clinton campaign and the DNC, retained a company called Fusion GPS, which is a Washington, D.C. research firm, to do the research. Fusion GPS hired dossier author Christopher Steele, who's a former British intelligence officer, with ties to the FBI and the U.S. Intelligence Committee or community. Elias and his law firm retained, retained this, these researchers in April of 2016 on behalf of the Clinton campaign and the DNC. Before that agreement, they were being funded by some Republican client during the GOP primary. Jeez, I hope that's not Ted Cruz. <laughs> That's going to come out who that is. Mm-hmm. And I just, I hope it didn't, it, it doesn't turn out to be Ted Cruz. <sighs> you got to think at what point in the campaign did the uh, other GOP folks running for president start taking Trump seriously? Yeah. And that's who you're left with. Yep. Uh, by the way, Trey Gowdy says there's not a single, well, this is a quote, not a single witness who has provided evidence supporting collusion. Like, <laughs> you know. Oh, I, that's right. So. Yeah. Which go. is amazing. The Clinton campaign and the DNC, through the law firm, continued to fund uh, Fusion GPS's research mm-hmm. through the end of October 2016, right just right before Election Day. Uh, they gave reports and other research documents to the Clinton lawyer, the, uh, and it's unclear how much of that information was shared with the campaign and the DNC, probably all of it. And who in those organizations was aware of the roles that these companies played? So, so just to recap, Trey Gowdy says no evidence mm-hmm. linking Trump with the Russians. Okay? Right. Mm-hmm. Washington Post says Hillary Clinton campaign and DNC paid for the Trump dossier. Yes. And I guess the last shoe we're waiting to fall is which Republican originally was looking into Trump. And that's a big shoe because somebody's going to get, I mean, they're going to get they're going to get hammered for yeah. it. If, if it's Ted Cruz, <sighs> that could end his uh, any aspirations he has for the presidency because the Trump people just despise him for that. 
Yippers. The Clinton campaign apparently paid $5.6 million in legal fees, uh, according to campaign finance records. And they don't know how much of that went to Fusion GPS, but probably a really substantial portion of it. Interesting. Yeah, we're going to we'll keep an eye on this because this could turn out to be something. Uh, Jody in Utah, you're on the blaze. Hi. Hey, Pat. Hey. Um, I've spent the last five years of my life in a wheelchair, and I would not have considered this before that. But when you're in a wheelchair, I'm just going to put this out on the table. Okay. Um, you can accidentally goose people just because of proximity. <laughs> a proximity uh, goose. Uh-huh. You know, because, um, well, you're sitting at that level, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. You're sitting there, your hand is near somebody's backside, and yeah. goosing happens. Proximity happens. Yep. I'm not saying that's what happened here. Right. But please give me a freaking break. <laughs> I know. I know it is that's it stretches credulity uh a lot. It really does because I can't imagine George H.W. Bush actually groping somebody uh unless of course he's not in control of his faculties anymore. Um and I, I just seeing him in certain public appearances, I'm not entirely sure that's true. Yeah. I mean, at 93, they're probably slowing down, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen him out there with a bib because he's cross-eyed and drooling. No, that's true. That is true. <laughs> Appreciate the perspective. Thanks, Jody. Triple eight nine hundred thirty-three ninety-three. More Pat Gray Unleashed coming up. You are listening to Pat Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. Unleashed. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393. Hey, uh, really considerate of Nate Miller to <laughs> yeah, that's the word. tweet me the rankings of the bottom, <laughs> what, 15 or 20 mm-hmm. college football programs in America? That was, <sighs> Nate, hey, thank you so much. Sure. That's incredibly thoughtful. Of you. A helper, if you will. <clears throat> the 115th worst team in the country right now is Nevada. Okay. Kansas is 116, okay. followed by Old Dominion, Ball State, Bowling Green, Charlotte. Okay. Charlotte? <laughs> Never. <laughs> I, I, is, I don't know. They're better than somebody. Is Charlotte an FBS football program? I don't even know. Charlotte? What? Brigham Young at 121st in the country. On our countdown. Idaho, 122nd. Then Rice. Baylor. Yeah, what is happening? Wow, 0-7. Is this the fallout from all of the bad stuff happening there? I don't don't know. That was all basketball program stuff. That's what I thought. So I don't know why Baylor... Has fallen so far from grace. I think there was another thing with the football program, but I don't know. That kind of gives me hope, though. If a program like Baylor, who's in the Big 12, can have an off year like this. Coastal Carolina <clears throat> comes in at number one in 25. At, uh, at 126th on the countdown is UMass, University of Massachusetts. Okay. 
Uh, interestingly, we've got them coming up on our schedule. So, oh, Clash of the Titans! Right, right, right. When two, one, and eight, or nine, or ten, one and ten teams get together, you can throw out the record books. That's right. That's Texas right. State is number one twenty-seven, followed by this Saturday's opponent, San Jose State, well, at one twenty-eight. So we got two of these you teams. Got a couple of tough games on your schedule yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, UTEP. Texas El Paso, 0-7 and 129th, and then Georgia Southern at 130th. That's too bad. They used to be pretty darn good. Uh, you know what? Hold on. That was in a different... Uh, yeah, 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 they were FBS 2 or yep. whatever the hell you call it now. I don't even know. Yes, sir. They're struggling now in the, uh, in the big time. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's incredible. He says on this same list, Nebraska is 74, which I think is being generous, but we'll take it. We'll take... Well, you know what? We're in such a, a dire straits there in Lincoln. We'll take double-digit rankings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stay in the top 99. Triple-digit ratings for uh, BYU. 121. Yeah, but you got some Last winnable year, games coming up. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Last year was, you know, they were 9-4, and four, and the four losses were by a total of eight points against really good teams. I mean, they were... They were eight points away from being unbeaten. That was Nebraska the year before. Yep. And and it just it just so painful to see this happen. And then because then recruits are saying, well, I don't want to I don't want to go there. I I'm gonna transfer. I'm gonna switch my commitment to somebody else. And three have already done that. Wow. They switched to the University of Utah and including one four star recruit. So it it's not going well. Well, some folks is, on I guess the uptake on that. Some folks on Twitter were, were tweeting me saying that I should uh, get get a, get a cricket team. So maybe you and I should start getting together and watching cricket. You want to do that? <clears throat> no. You want me to find us a team? No. I'll get you a T-shirt. Will you wear it? I'll no. Find a team for you? No. Again. Like a cricket team. No. It's cricket. But thanks for the offer. All right. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Uh, this is kind of interesting, too. A new poll is out almost a year after uh, Donald Trump's election. Both sides, both Republicans and Democrats, think they're losing now. <laughs> I love that. That's pretty bad. Now, this was after we were promised that we're going to win so much we'll be tired of winning. And we'll ask him to stop. Please stop. That's too much winning I'm just getting I'm getting bored with all sure. the winning. Right. But no, that's not where we are. In fact, both sides think they lost. <laughs> that lose-lose mood is on display daily on Capitol Hill, strongly reinforced by a study of public opinion that was released by the Pew Research Center. More than 6 in 10 Americans say they believe their side is losing more than it's winning on the issues that matter most. Only 1 in 4 think their side is mostly winning. That attitude might not be surprising from Democrats um, who, with the election, lost control of all three branches of the government. But Republicans, too, think we came up on the short end of the stick because, you know, many of us weren't exactly thrilled with Donald Trump. And now the Republicans in office aren't getting anything done that we wanted them to do. Hmm. So, of course, we think we're losing. Of the eight groups who have opinions about politics, none has a majority who think their side is winning. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Among Democrats, that sense of loss undergirds the rage that many feel as they see politics adopted under President Obama or previous presidents rolled back now under President Trump. And he is doing that. 
He's taking some of the awful things that Obama did, and he's rolling it back, like the EPA regulations and getting us into the Paris Treaty, uh, and he's throwing those out the window. Thank goodness. At least he's done those things. And, you know, we got Niels Gorsuch on the Supreme Court. Mm. On the GOP side, the belief is that our side is losing despite holding a majority in both houses of Congress and the presidency. And that's because they didn't get Obamacare done. Uh, so far, they haven't done tax reform. It doesn't look good on any of the things conservatives were really uh, interested in having done. In addition to the question about w winning, the pessimistic view jumps out from a question about whether life for the generation, the next generation of Americans will be better or worse than life today. 48% of those surveyed said worse compared with 29% who said life would be better. Wow, that's under underwater by almost 20 points. And usually Americans are optimistic. Usually we, f we feel good about the future and we feel good about prospects. It's tough to do that, though, when you're being beaten the head that men are really women when they're not and women are really men when they're not. And we've got to change our pronoun usage. And uh, you're being arrested for, for using an improper pronoun. Mm. And you've got all of these other issues uh, that just, you know, like this Russian thing, which just doesn't stop and you've got paul ryan saying that they're going to attach the daca situation to a spending bill which is what democrats always do and you've got the nfl protesting the national anthem uh and you've got somebody telling us that mathematics is racist math is racist and it's a wash in whiteness hmm. so how do you feel good about things the UK government is urging the UN to change the language pregnant women to pregnant people. <laughs> uh, I've got a plan, though, because if, if Democrats and Republicans on Capitol Hill both feel like they're losing, then let's let's make sure that they're right. Let's vote third party in November. Yeah, <laughs> like that would ever happen. Uh, oh, man. 888-900-3393. Use that number tomorrow. We'll talk to you then on Pat Gray Unleashed. Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network.